an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Yeah, I'm kind of on the Jonas Knox schedule this weekend, Brady. Every show that Jonas usually does, I do. And I got to admit, man, I don't know how he does it. I'm absolutely, <laughs> positively exhausted. I, 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 I don't know if it was that, Chris, or if it was his fan base, which some of which I don't know that you can define them as fans. If you ever right. look at his, his Twitter oh. feed. After like an overnight, people yeah. just bash him and he retweets them or he'll comment to them. It's pretty I, funny. I had I had a dude so so Friday night, just for welcome to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. I typically am on afterwards with Arnie Spanier, but uh, our, our boss man felt bad for me because I have to spend five hours with Arnie next week, so he allowed me to hang out with Brady today, and because Jonas is on vacation, I had a chance to slide in. So, Brady, it's funny that you say that because after the Friday night into Saturday show, I legit crashed. You know, I mean, I, I went home, I fell asleep, and I woke up at, like, 9 in the morning after going to bed at 5, and my mentions had blown up. 
I mean, blown up. And it was a guy letting me know how bad half the show was and how much it sucked. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, uh, okay, well, that's that's, that's fine, but uh, thanks, I think, because only only a half of it was unlistenable. The other half was okay. So, right? I mean, that that's yeah. passing. That's passing, yeah. isn't it? You're, you're a glass half full guy, as am I. Um, yes. Jonas, Jonas, not so much. He looked at that probably a little bit different, uh, which is why... <laughs> Which is why he's in Cancun right now, taking body shots off of uh, some some bartender at like a senior of frogs. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, that, no. That's just where he is. But we'll, it, we'll it, it is interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting uh, to to always read through that when you wake up in the morning. It makes for some good uh, good morning material, if you will. You know, when well, you have to go go over the John and take some time to kind of let the day sink in. It's always amazing too because that's a time of night where I'm I'm not usually around. I'm asleep. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm usually crashed during that time. So you get kind of introduced to a whole new section of society that unless you're traveling or taking a random road trip, you're probably not a part of. So uh, I welcome the dark overlords of uh, overnight radio because it was a fun couple of days. Now, enough about me, Brady. How was your weekend? How was the prep for what I'm sure was uh, an exciting, you were into it, nonstop focus on the Pro Bowl today? I mean, I, you had to be just jacked up about that. Is, right? Was that game on? Was that today? Did, was, that, was that game on today, Chris? <laughs> it was I mean, so it, dude, I, I, I'm sorry. It's, it is so difficult to watch that they're trying to come up with all the different gimmicks to to make it watchable i i think the first thing that like kind of stands out as as a former player is you know just since they moved it from hawaii to orlando it it just it doesn't have the same feel like the the feel back when i first got into the league was it, it truly was an honor most players tried to go to it if they could now obviously teams playing the super bowl uh, and maybe some teams who played the championship weekend who were banged up, but even sometimes you'd see guys, you know, come right off the field the week before and want to play in the Pro Bowl, want to take a trip out to Hawaii and try to enjoy themselves. But it's different now. I mean, I, I don't want to say that you're that the players that you're getting aren't good players. They're all good in the NFL, okay? And there's good guys who have great moments, and there's great players. Uh, and, and usually those are the ones that I remember seeing early on when I first got into the NFL. And, and as the years have worn on, we've gotten to a point now where it's it's kind of like you're looking at your fifth and maybe sixth best quarterback that year of the league. I mean, and you can even make a case looking at the guys for the NFC. I mean, how is Matt Ryan not playing in the Pro Bowl? Like, how is he not an alternate with the season that he had in comparison to to a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who had a good year, but his stats don't compare to Matt Ryan's? And, and I, know, I know the win-loss record is a little bit different, but that more encompasses the entire team and everything else that was going on. So it's just, it's not what it once was. I have a hard time watching it. I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, I, I just laughed at it. It became comedy for me is what it was more than anything else. I mean, we somehow, some way lucked into like 60-degree weather today here in Oklahoma. So I just happened to, to watch a little bit, and I saw, let's see, I saw Mike Evans get an interception and then try to run it back while everyone was playing two-hand touch. Uh, by the way, Andrew Luck throwing the football still looks odd to me. It seems like he's either struggling in the weather or something, but we're not here to overevaluate it. I guess we should point out this is the only segment we're going to spin, if even a full segment on the Pro Bowl today. Our magnification is that it was just awful. I mean, it wasn't football. I found myself watching the Sean Taylor clip where he lit up a punter in Hawaii a couple of years ago more than I did anything else from this game today, and I get it. 
you know, there's not really a, an all-star game that you that you mark down on the calendar. It's like, oh, hey, hey, can't wait for that NBA all-star game or can't wait for the Major League Baseball all-star game. I get it. It's uh, it's really not that must-see event that, at least for me, and I'm, I'm an old dude, that for me was a must-watch, must must-attend event whenever you were younger. Now it's almost an absolute joke. And it got me thinking as I was watching this, I understand the TV ratings impact of it, Brady. I understand that there still has to be some sort of reward at the end of the season. But is it time for it to just go? I mean, is it time just to do away with the Pro Bowl? We're putting it between the championship game and between the Super Bowl. So guys that participate in the Super Bowl can't go. It's in Orlando where I saw Brooke Pryor, who covers the Chiefs. She uh, was, was posting pictures of the press box where they had trash cans because the ceiling was leaking because it was raining the whole time. <laughs> and I think I think you've been to that stadium to call games or have played in games there before, and it's not necessarily a destination location. So – Either move it back to Hawaii, put it back after the season, or just, I mean, I hate to say it, but do away with it because that was like a glorified seven-on-seven event that we watched today more than anything else. Maybe that's how I need to look at it. And maybe that's you know what it needs to be moving forward. I, but I, I just, again, it kind of takes away from the novelty of it, You know what yeah. it used to be, what it meant to be. You mentioned Sean Taylor. I saw the same clip when he knocked out Mormon. I, I think it was, it was the punter from Buffalo. But I, I kept thinking back to myself, one, it was in Hawaii, and, and I feel like the games, for whatever reason, you know, maybe they'll never be that competitive just because of what's on the line. I mean, th- that's ultimately the issue here, is you're talking about it, an all-star game, uh, a game really honoring these guys for having a great season, but in a sport where some guy could have, I mean, didn't Tyler Eifert have an injury that caused him essentially, I don't know that he's ever been the same since, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he said it. If he got a, if he got voted into the Pro Bowl, he'd never go back, just because it's too much of a risk. So unless you're incentivizing the players based on who wins, who loses, unless you're incentivizing them all enough, I don't know that you're ever going to see the the style of play that would warrant people to want to you know tune in and watch. I mean that that's the bottom line. As much as we're we should be in awe of it being the best players in the game, it's not that. But even on top of that, it's the fact that you've got a bunch of guys who have you know, essentially been you know, playing, let's just say, half go. And, and that, one, could lead to injuries, but two, it, it leads to a bad product on the field. If you're the NFL, I, I don't know why you wouldn't be looking for solutions at this point, whether something you mentioned, put it after the Super Bowl. I, I can't imagine that it would get any less attention than what it gets the weekend True. before the Super Bowl. And, and maybe you would at least get some of those guys that played in the Super Bowl to show up. Not playing it, but show up. And, and that would be enough, I think, to draw on fans. And, and maybe one last thing, too, is move it back to Hawaii. And then you see a lot more players who want to be involved in it because it is a nicer trip. Now, now look, don't get me wrong. You know, being where it's at now in Orlando and all that, that's great um, because it's a, more of a family-style trip. But the Hawaii trip meant something to a lot of players. When guys got voted in the Pro Bowl, you know, they would think about putting on those lays, going out to Hawaii, taking their family, taking their friends, their buddies, making a trip out of it. It was something special. It was something unique. It just doesn't have that feeling anymore. Yeah, and listen, if the headlines are that a receiver had an interception, I'm fine with that. I'm not saying I need a game that follows all the elements of a regular season NFL game. If it's Ezekiel Elliott running a fake punt, if it's a cornerback like Jalen Ramsey did today catching a touchdown pass, uh, Saquon Barkley not only was interviewed by Kim Possible, 
which was, you know, a really marquee moment for the kids watching, uh, ended up rushing the passer on one play, which might have been the best pass rush we saw all day. Uh, Derwin James uh, actually was the target on a potential two-point conversion, and Melvin Ingram nearly had a rushing touchdown. I, I guess maybe, Brady, I don't want to get too carried away here, but I don't mind that kind of stuff. I think that's funny. I when you see a guy running in the open field and he just kind of lets up a little bit while a guy grabs him around the waist and they blow it down. There was a point when you're watching the game where I think even the officials were like, okay, I guess I guess we're stopping here right now. I don't mind dudes playing other positions. I probably already wasted too much time talking about the Pro Bowl, but it was just one of those events today that as you're watching it, you you are, even as the most ardent football fan, and you all know you were, I know. First tweet in, Stephen writes, please stop talking Pro Bowl immediately. I'm with you, Stephen, but I can't stop right now. Because, Brady, the bottom line is we love football. We want more of football. But even if you find yourself watching it for like five or ten minutes, you come away and you think, what the hell was I just doing? Why did I just do that? <laughs> because we don't have any other games right now. Look, <laughs> I, I hate talking, to it too, talking about it, too, because the thing is there's not a great solution. You know, like, it's one thing to talk about problems. Like, we can go back and talk about the officiating in the NFC Championship game and you, I guess you could call it some some new revelations, yep. if you will, um, based on Vincent Bonsignori, who, who you know showed a clip, had some comments on that particular play, and maybe brought to light some new things. Nikel Roby Colbin mentioning some stuff too, but you know the, the bottom line is it's a problem that unless you have a solution for it, and that's what everyone's trying to figure out in regards to pass interference and replay and, and trying to get the game to a point where that doesn't happen again. You know, it, it, to me, it's like it's wasted breath. And, and that's where we're at with the Pro Bowl is we, we need to figure out a better product because this is the number one professional sport that's there. It's football. This is America. This is our biggest, our biggest game, our big, biggest professional sport. And, and we've got these talented players, these all-stars. All uh, we've got to figure out a better way of highlighting them, showcasing them, giving them the appreciation they need too because you know, that, that's a little bit part of it as well. It's not just about these guys having an opportunity to go play in a game against some of the best. It's also about the, them being kind of honored and really rewarded for that. And maybe that just comes in the form of a bonus. But there's got to be another way, too. Well, you teased it. Let's get into it next when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. There's a new narrative that's developing involved. Well, actually, not just a new narrative, but now I guess maybe even a new concern whenever we talk about the final play. Well, the most controversial play in last week's NFC Championship game. We'll get into that. And is there a magic fix for officiating as well, too? The Patriots held a rally, and they are continuing with this chip on their shoulder that everybody counted them out. Oh, this this Cinderella story, Brady. I don't know how when they've gone to 11 Super Bowls, nine with the Belichick-Brady combination. They have spun it. They have done it. It is impressive to see the way that this played out. We'll dive into that. Plus, there's news on Bob Stoops today. There's news on Kyler Murray that we'll get to. And as draft fans and college football guys, a lot from the Senior Bowl to get to. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plankin for Jonas Knox tonight. When we come back, we're talking controversy in the NFL here on Fox Sports Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Got a good one going in the NBA. Thunder and Bucks heading down the home stretch. We'll keep tabs on it. DeSager has updates coming up at the bottom of the hour and top of the hour. OKC leads at 106.95 with about 310 left in the game. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank sitting in for Jonas Knox right here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, by the way, we should go ahead and mention that uh, we're brought to you in part by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Now it's a nine-point game, 106-97. So, uh, interesting. I The Bucks and the, the Thunder were the first ever home game, Brady, in Oklahoma City. They were the first team to ever play Oklahoma City as the Thunder. So, uh, with the Bucks suddenly being good and Giannis being a draw, they're calling this the biggest Thunder Bucks game since the opener. So, wow! Uh, if that doesn't, yeah, if that does anything for anyone, there you go. <laughs> I, hey. I never, I never <laughs> thought I'd hear that the Milwaukee Bucks now are a draw. Yeah, especially me neither. For the team in the West. It, it's Things. it's crazy. It's crazy to see how how fast that's turned around. Now, I, 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 not to get off subject because I know we want to talk about something else, but 
it, it seems like the East was supposed to be Boston's to win, maybe Philly. Did you foresee Milwaukee playing the way they are this year and kind of all of a sudden end up being one of the top teams? No. No. And whoever says they did, they're lying or they're diehard Milwaukee Bucks homers who remember Sidney Moncrief and Albin Robertson. You know, I mean, you're you're going back old school, but I don't I, wait. Hold on. I want to be careful with this. Did you foresee this happening with the <laughs> no. Milwaukee Bucks this year? Okay, no. I just wanted to make sure. No, if you would, if you would have asked me, like, could uh, Andrew DeCompo be, been like an MVP candidate? Yeah, possibly. Sure. Like, I, I would have been on that train saying, well, how healthy is LeBron? Does he play the entire season? What about James Harden? You know, some other guys would have fallen into the mix, KD, et cetera. But he would have been definitely my top five of guys who could who could be up for it. I didn't see the team having this this sort of success. Um, so yeah. that, that's been a whole different story. And, again, how much of it you think has to do with LeBron not being in the East anymore, I'm not sure if that matters to you or not. It just it, it felt like once he chose to go to L.A., that door was wide open and there were some favorites. And it's I know it's still early. But it's it's pretty crazy to think that Milwaukee may be that team uh, that ends up coming out of the East. Although I, I still, it's hard to buy into it because you know how once we get into the playoffs, it, none of none of the regular season matters. Maybe for seeding right. purposes, but the rest of it, none of the, none of it matters. Yeah, and oh by the way, this is a, a six point game now with a minute and a half. Uh, make it a four point game. One hundred eight, one hundred four. Oklahoma City leads it. And funny, one other quick note, and I'll move on. I promise. But you had mentioned how it feels like we're early in the season. We just passed the halfway point last night. You know, our last week, I guess I should say, we're past the halfway point of the NBA season, the All Star Game, which is now a week long break, and the NBA is coming your way next week. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nonstop. So a big story, I guess you could say, from either either way, either a clickbait perspective uh, or a jump the shark moment, whenever it comes to this whole saga involving. Nickel Roby and the pass interference call in the Saints-Rams-NFC championship game. Now, we'll get to the concerns that the NFC, or excuse me, the NFL appears to have coming up here in just a bit. But Brady, there was an interesting, I guess you could say, revelation yesterday where we found one camera angle where if you slow it down or you look at it in one frame-by-frame uh, frame perspective, it looks as if the pass was tipped and in fact Nickel Roby has gone from being oh yeah I committed pass interference to basically now saying no 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 the ball was tipped which to me we got a good narrative going don't ruin it with by trying to sim- to inject some bad facts in it but regardless if the ball was tipped or not that doesn't really change the biggest issue in this whole mess does it no it doesn't and, and it's it's something that I was kind of harping on the whole time that if, if you really cared about player safety that would have been the first thing that you would have been throwing the flag for because it was a hit on a defenseless player above the shoulders to the head or neck area. And he's already been fined for that. So the NFL has already admitted that that portion of it, uh, without a doubt, was wrong, should have been penalized, and it wasn't. And so he's since been fined for it. And if if you want to make the excuse that it was a bang-bang play, and even though, again, looking back on it now, I think the NFL hasn't openly admitted it. They've apparently contacted you know Sean Payton after the game. He had a phone call with Al Riveron and the rest of the NFL, and then they stated that they messed up the call. But there still hasn't really been any legitimate statement about it. And so because of that, it still draws to light the fact that regardless of whether the ball was tipped or not, it, there should have been a penalty. There should have been a flag. And the one thing that this league supposedly is looking out for the best interest of the players 
is a reason why they shortened the overtime, is a reason why we've, we've seen how they've tried to protect the quarterbacks in the pocket, not having guys land on them in a certain manner. We've seen those penalties thrown out earlier in this year and, and them trying to change the way defensive players hit quarterbacks and take them to the ground. And, and so if that was really you know, your biggest cause for concern, you would think that in the biggest moment on that stage – you would have stood up and you would have taken a stand and said, yeah, you know what, we're going to look out for the best interest of this player. Because regardless of whether the ball was tipped or not, you can't hit a player like that. And so that's still the glaringly obvious thing, that when it comes down to it, the NFL could care less about player safety or the well-being of their athletes. They just they don't. And this is a glaring example of that. Preach. Preach. And in it- – Last night, whenever I was filling in for Jonas on the Overnight Show, we spent a lot of time talking about storylines that we're probably going to get tired of hearing during Super Bowl week. Now, I'll be honest, I've had more reaction to Shane McMahon's uh, shooting star press at the Royal Rumble than I did to this topic last (laughs) night, but we'll save wrestling for another show. But I, I do think, Brady, that one of the big stories you're going to hear next week is going to be the NFL kind of... Uh, hurting its elbow, patting itself on the back with that number that NFL concussions are down, what is it, 30 40% I think is the number that I saw reported right. uh, when you base it on where they were last year and, and where they were this year. But a play like that, when you have two officials that are looking at it, I mean, staring right at it, that to me is a great example that they're not really getting the message. And as much as they want to, they, the royal they, pronouns pal, as much as the NFL wants to try to sell that to us, and as much as they want to try to preach to us that player safety matters, you see a play like that and you can't help but just shake your head and wonder, all right, what's going on here? Now, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the NFL can do or should do publicly. Uh, They find them. I don't know if if the, the Saints want this epic apology like the the South Park episode where they, everyone had to kiss Jesse Jackson's backside in order to make it. And if you've seen that episode, you know what I'm talking about. But I don't know what the Saints want in all of this. I don't know what the NFL can do. But at the very least, I think there needs to be that acknowledgement that they did not take player safety into account on that play, period. Period. If you're the NFLPA, wouldn't you want to be looking for some answers? I mean, that, sure. that's, that, that, that's kind of the one, um, one party that's left in the dark of this whole, whole deal. I mean, you'd think that you would be asking the NFL questions in regards to the officiating in general, but also just whether or not they've got the best interests of players in mind, considering how vicious that hit was, especially when you look at it in real time. And so you're right. I mean, there's not really a solution to it. I think the only thing they can do at this point, honestly, is you hope that you get that call right when it comes to the Super Bowl, right, the biggest game. Like, we came down to the last – two leading up to it but you hope that you get that play called correctly whether it's pass interference or not at least for the sake of the player because if you want to make a statement if you if you really care about player safety and you want to change the demeanor of which how players are hitting one another you use these big games to make that statement and to make it penalizing for that so I, I can promise you this every single team goes through a teach tape and they look at the mistakes the penalties of other teams around the league. And when you come in, usually, you know, Monday is kind of your day to watch some film, whatnot, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, as you start to game plan for your next opponent, usually that Wednesday morning, you're looking at other examples of guys who did some dumb stuff. And this would be an example of that. It would be one that it would play, be played over and over and over again 
but it would reinforce the fact that the NFL wants to change the way these players are striking defenseless players. And, and I think that would actually lead to, you know, a safer NFL moving forward. But again, not that anyone cares or not that they care. Because no. the only thing anyone cared about that particular play was the fact that the ball maybe was tipped, maybe it wasn't. It didn't look like it to me, by the way. I looked at it from multiple angles. I don't think it was tipped because you really couldn't see the, the trajectory of the ball altered. It just looked at like the hand was in the way. And, and the one thing I just want to say that I want to point out is everyone keeps talking about how you know if you make that play reviewable, meaning the play, obviously there's no call, so there's no penalty to go back and analyze, you know, then, then everything's subject to review. That's not the case. I mean, look, you could set up a system, a system for a challenge where you could say to the official, hey, let, we're looking to see whether or not it was pass interference. They're not going to look at the offensive line to see if maybe uh, Max Unger was holding or if there's a legal hands to the face by Pete on that particular play. They're going to go back and look and say, yeah, it was pass interference, on Roby Coleman. We should have called it. We're going to lay down the flag now. So, look, bottom line is if the officials did their job right, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And who knows how the game would have turned out then. Again, the Saints had every opportunity in overtime. They got the ball first. They could have done what the Patriots did, but they didn't. All right, when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, let's get into the latest breaking news involving this Nickel Roby saga. But first, Steve DeSager is in the house to get us caught up on uh, some pretty interesting, at least one interesting ending here between mm-hmm. the Thunder and the Bucks. What's going on, Steve? Hello, gentlemen. And Brady's right. There were two fouls on the defense and two on the offense, and none was called. So right. play on, I guess. <laughs> You know, isn't it Bill Belichick that had said before, once you get to the Super Bowl, go ahead and hold, because they're probably not going to... you remember that? Of course, in one of the many yes. Super Bowls they've played. Yeah. I'm looking to see how this is going to be officiated next Sunday. Of course, the Pats this year, they don't get a lot of calls against them. One of the, what, like four and a half, five penalties per game. So it's just something in the back of the mind after all yeah. the discussion from last weekend. It is a final in the NBA at Oklahoma City. Thunder beat Milwaukee 118-112. to 112. Paul George, 36 points and 13 rebounds. Russell Westbrook, a triple-double for the third straight game. This ends Milwaukee's six-game winning streak. The Bucks came in one game over the Raptors for first in the East. The Toronto Raptors right now are winning just 70-64 at Dallas early in the third quarter. At Houston, James Harden, 28 points, but Orlando is leading the Rockets late third quarter, 78-64. Back from injury finally, Chris Paul. He's played 17 minutes with six assists, two turnovers so far. Also in progress, San Antonio 83-73 over the Wizards. That's only mid-third quarter. Clippers and Cleveland each won today. Yes, the Cavs ended a six-game losing streak. They got to play at Chicago and beat the Bulls 104-101. to LeBron James will be a captain for next month's All-Star game, but missing a 16th straight league game tonight. He's been out since Christmas with that strain groin. Did do defensive drills yesterday. Lakers have the late game in an hour, hosting the worst team in the West, Phoenix, which has lost seven in a row. Kyle Kuzma of L.A. out tonight with a strained hip. Lakers also missing Lonzo Ball and Tyson Chandler. Suns rookie center DeAndre Ayton still out with an ankle injury. College basketball, Purdue upset number 6 Michigan State. Minnesota defeated 19th-ranked Iowa. It was Mookie Betts who today said he will not go to the White House with the champion Red Sox in May. Betts was ALM 
MVP last season. Former San Francisco Giants owner Peter McGowan passed away. He was 76. Under McGowan, the team signed Barry Bonds and built a new ballpark and, by the way, didn't move out of San Francisco. The Redskins believe quarterback Alex Smith will miss all of next season due to his horrific leg injury, according to NFL Network. The AFC won the Pro Bowl today. We are back in 10 seconds with the guys, but first, a word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Justin Rose won the Farmers Insurance Open <laughs> in San Diego today by two strokes over Adam Scott. Rose is ranked number one in the world. Chris Plank, Brady Quinn, back to you. Thanks, Steve DeSager, as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yeah, I want to talk about Alex Smith later. They, yeah. I, I, I think they need to start not only preparing for a season without him, but I like Alex Smith. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. I know he gets dumped on a lot, but, boy, it, I just can't imagine him getting back to 100%, Brady. I mean, the Redskins, they have to be looking quarterback in this draft, don't they? You would think so. I mean, not only just – even with Alex Smith was healthy, you'd be, have to be thinking about life after Alex Smith anyway, even though you sign him to that big deal. I mean, that, that's the tough part is, you know, because of the contract that he signed, you're kind of handicapped a little bit. I mean, he, he signed a deal with $71 million in total guarantees. And so, you know, that they're going to be wrapped up into him for quite some time. And even though that, that was the case for 2019, heading into 2020, you still would be thinking that this is a guy who's going to be in his mid-30s. You know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. I don't think we could put Alex Smith in that same category, even healthy, even before the injury. So, you know, because of that, you were probably looking at drafting one of these guys. Now, with this news, it makes it that much more apparent. You're, you're maybe even looking in the first round and saying to yourself, this is, this is who we're targeting right now if I'm the Washington Redskins. Yeah, absolutely. You know what else is kind of interesting, too, is we're, we're, we're getting close to draft season, Brady, and I hope you're prepared for a 1,000 people to ask you if you think Kyler Murray is too short to play quarterback. I, I mean, I don't know if, you've, <laughs> if it's already started, but it's, it's, it's never going to end for you, man. I'm just, I'm just getting you it, ready it, right it's now. It's not, and I don't think he's too short. Like, when, when I go back, I've already graded a couple of his games this year. Uh, I think the kid's got all the tools, all the intangibles for the naysayers that thought, well, that's a college system. That doesn't translate to the NFL. Oh, okay. What Baker Mayfield do? Just set the rookie passing record for touchdowns? Didn't even start all 16 games. So uh, I don't know that that's going to be an indication of what, you know, the, the system, you know, it's a system quarterback or he's not going to be able to translate because Mayfield did. And I think you look at Kyler Murray. He did everything Baker did at Oklahoma, maybe even more on the ground when you look at some of his rushing stats. So he's very capable. The height doesn't bother me. What bothers me is his weight. For him to be, let's say, 195, maybe he's around 200, you know, the thing about Baker was he was a lot thicker, and, and he could take some of those shots, and he could last, even though he didn't play a 16-game season. I think he will be able to next year. Kyler's got the elusiveness and, and the short space quickness where maybe he can get out of some stuff. Russell Wilson's like that too. That, and that's really who he reminds me of. But the problem is he's so much smaller. I mean, even Russell's probably got him by 20, 25 pounds, 30 pounds. And, and that's a big difference when you're talking about the extra padding that you've got to have to make it through an entire 16-game season, especially if, if he's going to be drafted in the first round, Chris, he's going to a bad team. Right. So you have to assume yeah. their offensive line's not going to be very good either. 
The one thing I did notice, and I, again, we're going to go, we'll go more in depth later because I want to get to this story about the officials and where they live and how that's a major issue right now. But the one thing I did notice too is, and you looked at the tape. He had a lot of time whenever he was in the pocket at Oklahoma. Yes, he did. You know, you, you had probably three of those offensive linemen who are going to be gone by the first three rounds of the NFL draft, a fourth who's probably going to end up on an NFL roster, and the fifth who's their freshman center that might be the best of all of them. And they may have the – no, they have the best offensive line coach in college football. So that's one thing that I'm going to be real curious to see at the next – because we all agree he's going to play football, right? I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this at that point, is there? I don't think so. I mean, I think no. with the decisions that he's made, it seems like it's leaning in that direction. Yeah. So, again, we'll touch on it a little bit later on. Let's get to this before I lose the whole segment. I didn't think this was that big of a deal, but in the we need to find something else to add to this story to make sure that it never goes away category, the NFL, according to a report from Adam Schefter, is concerned about the fact that four of the game officials from the NFC Championship game live in Southern California. Those same four officials were the ones most responsible for the non-call on Roby Coleman. Now, the league admitted to the Saints that it it bleeped up the call. i got to be real slow sometimes because, you know, I, I, I tend to read everything <laughs> in front of me. It slip out there, right? Yeah, yeah I want to be very careful, and I don't want Bobo to have to worry about hitting the dump button to see if it works or not. The Saints and other officials not involved in the game do not believe that the geographical ties influence the non-call, according to sources. Officiating assignments are communicated, uh, communicated to clubs on the Monday before the game, and there were no complaints from either the Rams or the Saints in advance. But in a league that, according to Adam Schefter, is trying to safeguard the integrity of the game, just, I mean, they don't care about headshots, but the integrity of the game is important. There's been some that are privately wondering if the four officials having Southern California roots would be an issue. Now, I laugh a little bit, Brady, but, I mean, am I, is my guffawing over this misguided? I mean, is this something we should concern ourselves with? Uh, what do you mean? They're big Chargers fans? Is that is that what we're really concerned with? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. At their yeah. core, they're just big USC oh, guys. Oh, they could, yeah. yeah, they could, they, they could be Rams fans. I, I get it. I see where we're going now. No, I, in, in all seriousness, uh, it was there, is there potentially some bias? I mean, maybe. Look, this would be some huge cover-up um, that would – be taking place and usually that's what gets caught right it's never the crime it's the cover-up and and so maybe that's what the nfl is concerned about is if there was something going on but but even then if you're those officials right and that's the call that you make to try to shift the game in the favor of the la rams which in that moment it would right it, it obviously impacted how the game could have potentially ended um but again the saints still had every opportunity to win in the end i mean that, that's the thing that's kind of a little bit, I guess, comical about it is as much as you want to complain about the officiating, if you were to tell Sean Payton, hey, um, we're going to send this game into overtime and you're going to get the ball first, do you like your chances of winning? Sean Payton would say, hell yeah, give me the football. We're going to go down to the, down the field and score. And, and so they had that chance. It just ended up not being the case. Um, so is it concerning? I mean, maybe. I don't know what you're going to do, though, because this was supposed to be one of the best officiating crews. And, and so now I, got, I think your predicament's going to be, do you mix and match crews, which may not give you the best result, 
right? Because you're putting guys together who haven't worked together maybe the entire season. Now, the only uh, counter to that is it wasn't like we had a great game anyway, especially with the limited amount of calls in that game. So uh, maybe it's not going to matter when it's all said and done. In a roundabout way, they just let him play. I mean, that's kind of what we watched for a majority of that game on, well, actually, what am I saying majority, for that entire game last week, Brady. They let him play in both games for the most part. So it's just the fact that they let him play a little bit too much has now led to a litany. I I think this is the dumbest angle to this ever. I really do. I mean, if the guys were spotted on I really do. And instead of trying to find a solution, we're trying to find more ways to create problems. So, but then again, if if the NFL, we we have to break. I'm sorry, Bob, but let me get this out real quick. If the NFL looked at it and says, "Huh, maybe it's a bit of an issue where they're from," and they're looking at the ge- geography of officials, I get that. I understand that. But to make it seem as if that's one of their issues that they're concerned about. I mean, I, I just I don't think that has any effect on this call that was made on Sunday. None whatsoever. Or, or lack thereof a call. But I'm, I'm with Thank you. you. I, I, just, I, I think in that instance, if you're an official and you are even trying to do that, how do you, how do you know? Like, if you're going to interject yourself into the game to, make, to try to alter the outcome or change it, wouldn't you think that you'd be throwing a flag, not making no call? I mean, that, that seems like almost like you are taking your hands off and you're letting the players play and whatever happens, happens out there in the field. I think if, if they were trying to impact the game or, or affect it in some way, they'd probably be throwing a flag, not, not not calling something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, let me throw out an angle that I would be more concerned about. Plus, should we just go ahead and make every play revealable? That's next. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plankin for Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. It's the story that won't end. I mean, it really is, Brady. It's the story that won't end. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank. And for Jonas Knox here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, when shopping for car insurance, consider this. Geico has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to Geico.com. And after 75 years, they know how to save you money. I'm, I'm laughing here because I guess I missed this story. And I don't know how that's possible after doing the Jonas Knox shift uh, the last couple of days. But... There was actually a dude who tried to sue the NFL, and I still think – I mean, I, I, there, there has to be – this has to be fake somewhere. I, I just – I'm not buying this. But they claim NFL chief financial officer Joseph Seclair said in a sworn affidavit that replaying the final minute of last Sunday's game could cost the NFL more than $100 million because it could mean delaying the Super Bowl. So, you know what would be the best thing? I mean, I, I'm just – I know this is never going to happen, is to go out and say, all right, listen, we're succumbing. Uh, your tears, Saints fan, have finally led us to say we were wrong. We're going to go out there and we're going to replay the final, what was it, minute 40. Everything's going to be back to what it once was. And then when they get the opportunity, the dude misses the field goal. I think that would just be the <laughs> ultimate – in, in Carmen, this whole saga. But it has, I think, Brady, through all of this, man, I think, it's, I think it's led to a lot of good conversations about the future of officiating. So, I mean, again, we don't have a ton of time here before the top of the hour and DeSager gets us caught up on everything. But is 
I mean, I guess I'm taking some solace in it that maybe we'll start seeing some changes. Maybe they'll start relying on video evidence a little bit more so beyond just uh, a couple of reviewable plays on catches in the future right. for the I, NFL. I, I, look, it's funny. Like No one wants to talk about how the college has instituted replay and, and how, it, how it impacts the game because I think the, their process is much more efficient, uh, both in reviewing you know, a play like targeting, different reviews and all that, uh, when it's it's talking about scoring plays, things things of that nature, but their process is efficient. Um, they've got two guys up there in the booth when you do broadcasting for games. You get to talk with them and meet them before the game. Uh, typically, they're just they're they're trying to tell you not to be too hard on them because uh, they don't want to, they get enough flack as it is. But uh, it is interesting because the NFL, for whatever reason, has not wanted to adopt that sort of policy. They they'd rather be able to control it in like a central command unit. And, and then have these officials take the time to run over to look at um, the, the tablet and, and t- to look at the replay and look how it all goes down. And it just it doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I think the people who are fearful about, you know, being able to open it up and say everything's reviewable, you only have so many challenges that the, the coaches can use. I, I don't know that you're going to see these coaches use them all the time. It's not like we see coaches challenge stuff every single game. So it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do that um, just because they have the ability to to you know challenge anything, and again, it's it's not like, like like I think when people think about well that final you know that that particular play where it should have been pass interference, there was a hands to the face, there was a holding uh, on the Saints offensive line, there was a pass interference that wasn't called, you know all, all these other things. As as much as you could sit there and say well we can go back and find penalties at all sorts of different levels, at the at, you're really only looking and focusing on one thing. You know that's going to be the request from the coach, and they're not going to look at everything else. So. I think it would be an efficient process. They probably could institute and get it done. Let's see it in the preseason first, though, before we start implementing into the regular season and seeing how it impacts some of these games. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. There's always that debate about colleges, the college offense being ahead of the NFL and the NFL catching up to it after a little bit. And, Brady, we can go in depth on that next hour. But you've done enough games, and I've been fortunate to be on the sidelines for a lot of college football games. They really have opened up the officiating conversation and not to the point where, you know, uh, a referee is going to come over and over explain everything to broadcasters. <laughs> but for the most part, they're doing a better job of saying, Hey, this is your replay official. He's going to be the guy that is going to be looking over things. If you have questions, you know, he'll be able to answer once the game is over. They're, they're doing a good job of making things available and in kind of the process that it's played out. Listen, replay isn't slowing down football games. Does it take a pause? You bet. You take that pause to get things right. What's slowing it down is TV timeouts more than anything else. All right. <laughs> When we come back, let's talk Super Bowl week on Fox. Hour two with the great Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank sitting in for Jonas Knox. Jonas will be back, I think, in Atlanta next week. I think that's right. And as always, we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Are you going to Atlanta this week, Brady? Oh, yeah, brother. I'm flying out early tomorrow morning. I, uh, I've got some other employers, so I work for SiriusXM right. NFL Radio, and then I work for CBS Sports HQ, which is their digital platform at CBS. So I'll be there for the next week, which uh, i, I got to be honest with you, man. This is kind of an odd subject, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know if we'd get to it today. But Sorry. For some, no, 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 no. For some people, it's like they're like, oh, it's the Super Bowl. It's so much fun. You want to go to it. As a former player, like the furthest – uh, we ever got the, the the playoffs with a team was the divisional round, and we got smoked in Foxborough by New England. 
that was the furthest I ever made it on any team. And so when you don't make it, you're kind of bitter about it. You know, like you, you kind of you don't even really want to watch. And as a quarterback, typically how you like digesting and watching film is, you'll go in and you'll watch the game top copy. So you'll see the sideline and the end zone copy, and you'll look at the scheme, and you'll look at the, what they were doing in the spacing and everything else. And that's how you'd rather go watch the game. Like that's how I would personally prefer to watch the game. And so it's funny, like when they when CBS said to me, they're like, "Yeah, we want you to stay for the game and do some stuff afterwards as well." Oh, I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "This is this is gonna be a first for me." Like I never envisioned myself having to be in the press box watching a Super Bowl. Like I always thought I'd be at home, maybe at someone's party, or or just kind of taking it all in and then watching on on game film the next day. And so it, it's gonna be an it will be a weird experience for me. Like I know a lot of people look forward to it. For me, I'm gonna feel like a fish out of the water, man. Sitting there, a bunch of bunch of writers and other people who are are sitting up there in the press box watching this thing, and it'll just be so foreign for me. I'm not even sure what to expect, to be honest with you. I don't either. I've always wanted to go. Uh, I've been told by several who have gone that it's much funner to watch at home, uh, just because. Well, and, I mean, the commercials used to be the big deal, but now you can watch those online. So it's funny. This week, I found a copy of the 1984 Super Bowl. My grandpa, may he rest in peace, taped all the games on VHS, and I actually I found a VCR guy. I found a VCR, and I was able to watch some of it. And I remember we didn't know the commercials before they came out. Now we've yeah. got you know the Big Lebowski teasing commercials for us making us think he's coming back but my point is i'll be curious to get your reaction to what because you have you been to a super bowl in person before is this going to be the first time no no this will be literally the first first time time, right so so much similar we talked about the pro bowl earlier back when it was in hawaii like i was i'm from the midwest came from a blue collar family so we never took an you know some sort of extravagant trip like the the furthest i think we ever went on a trip was like the florida Somewhere like Sanibel Island or Orlando, right? Everyone goes to Disney right. World, and uh, we had family in LA, so we'd see them from time to time. But like that was that was a trip, like that was too almost too far. So we, I never thought like we'd ever go to Hawaii. So when I was, I remember like first going into league, I was, I was like, ah, I'll, I'll hopefully make a Pro Bowl one day, and then I'll be able to go when it's in Hawaii. Now it's like even if you were playing, like you don't even have that opportunity anymore. Like you're just going out there for a vacation. Um, so I always kind of kept that in the back of my mind. Well. Things obviously didn't go the way I wanted to in my career, and, and obviously it wouldn't have even mattered anyway, given where the Pro Bowl is now. But I always held a grudge in the back of my mind. I was always like, "Screw Hawaii! That place probably isn't that nice anyway." Um, but so, so it, it's kind of it's kind of been like the same feeling about the Super Bowl. Like you would go as a player if your team didn't make it, you see everyone there for different promotional and, and marketing opportunities to make some extra money. But when the weekend hits, like when it's Saturday, usually most guys are jetting; they're out. They're not staying for the game. Not many guys do. They'd rather be able to watch it at home like you talked about. It's a more enjoyable experience. And most of them are like, I want to get back to work, man. Like I remember being <laughs> in Cleveland after my rookie year and, and sitting there you know, watching the game, being bitter about it and being like, I can't wait to train. The next day I got up. I was up at 5 a.m. I was working out. I was, I was you know, going back to get ready to go watch the game on film. And I just thought to myself, like, it was more motivation than anything else. There's a lot of players who feel that way. That's why a lot of them don't end up sitting there. It's mostly corporate America that goes to the Super Bowl. Right. I've heard it's less than stellar 
setting unless you're rooting for one of the teams. You know, you'll have a, most NFL games are. Well, you know that you've called enough this year. There's a lot of downtime in NFL yeah. games, and they don't really do too much like you do it, get in a college atmosphere to get the crowd into it. But imagine that times ten. Well, well, interesting. You know, there's no cheering in the press box, Brady. In case you see an impressive throw, so just. Uh, Heads up there. I didn't know if you were aware of that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not sure if you've heard Jonas and I before, but I'm not the type, even from a broadcasting style, where I get overly excited like that. Like there's so like some of the crews out there. So not my style. More kind of looking at how things are, are playing out and why a play is successful or why it's not. I, I dug during the national championship game a couple people that were covering the Clemson-Alabama game. They had announcements that were made in the press box to remind people that it was a working press box and there would be no cheering allowed. So uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently during the college football national championship game, that needed to be reiterated several times. Well, since you're going to be there uh, – Let's dive into storylines here. I want to get your take coming up in the next segment about what you've seen from the Rams and the Patriots and, and mate. Well, I think you've seen quite a bit and maybe what might be some key uh, storylines during the game. But since you'll be heading tomorrow morning, you're going to be immersed in Super Bowl week. You're going to be immersed in the eight different media days. I think they have like two or three different kickoff conference uh, concerts. They have a kickoff media event and they have the media day. Then they have another media day. But beyond that, and beyond the game, what do you think are going to be some of the more intriguing non-game storylines this week? Because I brought one up. I think the NFL is really going to be hurting itself, patting, it, uh, patting itself on the back, bragging about concussions being down. And then I also think we're going to have quite a bit of in-depth conversations about officiating during this week, don't you think? Officiating will be probably one of the biggest subjects. I mean, the NFL not issuing a statement – it's almost like they're hoping things will blow over, right? Like, hey, maybe right. people will forget about it. We're going to have media night, what, Monday night, and then everything spins forward to the Super Bowl. No, because everyone's going to be looking at it saying, well, how's this game going to be officiated? Like, remember last year that the, the whole talking point was, what's a catch? You know, they've made right. several changes to the catch rule. And um, even at the end of last year, people were saying, are they going to institute what we think they're going to implement in 2018? And with some of those catches, you could probably make that case. So that'll, that'll be the interesting part is, is to see how the officials operate because as, you know, as we go back and look at the NFC Championship game, you and I both agree, they let them play. But what gives the officials an opportunity to stop and talk about a play is when they do drop the flag. So I think because of the, the magnitude of this game, I think you actually may see a few more penalties just to give the officials an opportunity to stop talk about it, and they can always pick it back up. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Talking about it, maybe they, mm. they feel like it, there wasn't enough there based on other people's perspective, and they pick the flag up. Like, there's nothing that stops them from that, but once you, once you throw the flag down, then you're giving not only the officials a, a chance to stop and look at it, but also everyone else, even the coaches. And if it is a, a something they can you know review or challenge, then that's there too. So, I think they're going to err more on the side of doing that because it's the Super Bowl and because of everything that's happened in the championship weekend. And I think that's one of the, the – maybe not necessarily a storyline, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on as, as we head towards the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, and I also think the other storyline that's going to be real interesting, I'm glad you brought that up. I was trying to put them together last night, and I, I knew there was something we were losing our minds about last year, and it was the catch rule and the changes to the catch rule. The year before that, it was Los Angeles. The year before that, uh, gosh, I think it was, are we going back to Los Angeles? There is always a storyline that seems to dominate, and I, and I do. I think that's going to be real interesting. The other thing that I think you're going to get tired of hearing about, Brady, is whether or not this is it for the Patriots. And I don't uh, – I, I know Tom Brady – really squelched that today and I know that everyone I mean listen I I work with Arnie every Sunday night and I love it but dude that guy's buried the Patriots about a bazillion times since we've started doing a show together <laughs> but I get the sense Chris, get and, and the so sense. so has everyone at ESPN by the way I think that's like right. that network ever since oh. the Seth Wickersham article where they just keep oh. going back to and back to Super Bowls like they're just hoping that at some point it'll end so they can say yeah we were right it's like everyone who picks like that mock draft that we're starting to see now more and more. <laughs> yes. It's like everyone who picks the first round of the mock draft, they're like, oh, I, I did 48 of them. My, my 46th one, I actually got some of the guys right. It's, it's almost like that kind of situation going on. I had to laugh because I, I – and again, the Patriots are going – and I brought this up. They're going to their ninth Super Bowl with the Belichick-Brady combo. They're going to their 11th overall. This is their third straight, what, fourth in the last five years. They're by no means an underdog. But when people laugh and mock that they're playing that up – it's usually the same people that were burying them after week three or four of the season. And maybe at the mid, oh, this is, I can't tell you how many times this year, Brady, on, and I, and listen, I'll be equal opportunity here on this network as well, too. I heard, oh, well, it's just different. It just feels different with the Patriots. I think they're done. So when Brady, as he did today, uh, and as he's done quite a bit, when he talks about we're not going anywhere, we're back, guess what? No, everyone counted us out. Pretty much a lot of the national media did at one point or another during the season, and they've done a good job of kind of Baker Mayfielding that thing and using everything to be a chip on their shoulder to fuel them more. It's funny. For a guy that you would say in Tom Brady doesn't need another chip on his shoulder, he sure finds ways of convincing himself, right, to, yes. that there's one there. I mean, I, I'm not sure if he's blinded by the glare from his, his Super Bowl rings. And that's, <laughs> that's making him delusional, thinking there's a chip on his shoulder. But I, I love it. I mean, I, I think it goes to show you even the guy who's at the pinnacle of his career um, and has achieved more than anyone at that most important position, maybe in all of professional sports, that he still uses little things like that as motivation at 41 years old. I mean, you have to. I mean, you almost have to be a little bit crazy. I mean, in all seriousness, like you almost have to be a little bit off to be that driven and to be able to sacrifice the way he has. Like, I, I know that's been well reported. There, there's the Tom versus Time documentary and all that. And, and the first thing I thought away, because I am a new father, you know, I've got a two and a half right. year old, I've got a, a seven month old too. And I kind of look at them and I think, you know, I started my family at the end of my career. I couldn't imagine. Then you know, carrying on however many year after year after year, and sacrificing such a portion of time, especially through these, you know, this certain point in their life when you're seeing them crawl and walk and and talk and all that stuff, and thinking you're going to miss some of those moments. I mean, he sacrificed a good portion of his life for this game, and the game's been good to him, and it's created everything that he is. But it's crazy when you think about that, you know, what it's taken and what he's given up and sacrificed in order to get to this point. And just to even think that he still needs that sort of motivation 
uh, to push himself and, and to get back to this point, along with Bill Belichick and his staff and how he handles yeah. things, it's, it's just crazy to me. It's, and it's funny because some people try to drum up different storylines with older quarterbacks. I think, well, I, I can't even say drum up. There's been a quite, a quite a bit of conversation about uh, potential deterioration of Drew Brees' arm strength. And I know we even brought it up with Tom Brady at one point. I think it was during the Tennessee Titans loss. Oh, look, he's not, he's not throwing the out with the same zest that he once did. But yet when he needed to, every ball was on the mark in the AFC Championship game. And we bring it up as a storyline this week because Tom Brady tried to squelch it, and it's not going to end. Today, Brady said there was zero chance that Super Bowl 53 will be his last game. Jeff Darlington asked him uh, if there is any chance that this would be the final game he plays, and Tom Brady looked at him and said, zero. So will that bury that storyline, Brady, or will it probably well, infuse it even more? Do you think he's going to, I mean, I know Jeff, no offense to Jeff, but do you honestly think he's going to tell Jeff or anyone else when he wants to hang Good it up? Good point. Good point. I, this is this is a moment where the greatest at the position of all time who's really done a good job of taking over kind of how he wants to portray things and push stuff out there through social media, etc. He's going to do it on his own terms. He's not going to let Jeff Darlington or anyone else you know, be the one to deliver that message, even though they're the guy asking the question. That's a really good point. Hey, when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, Chris Blanken for Jonas Knox, he's Brady Quinn. Let's hear about some – I know some are already tired of it on Twitter, and we'll get to that. But let's hear about one potential change that could help in officiating, and we'll get to some of the keys Brady's looking for heading into the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots. It's Fox Sports Sunday right here. Stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my game. (laughs) From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plankin for Jonas Knox as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. Geico has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to geico.com. After 75 years, they know how to save you money. Uh, let me get a couple of tweets in here real quick. See, this is – got to admit – my blood pressure is usually so high, and I'm so angry after spending about an hour and 15 minutes with Arnie because Arnie argues with me over everything. Really? I could sit here with everything. You, yeah, I could everything. Here, here was my favorite. Uh, Arnie had thrown out that if Sean Payton, or I'm sorry, if Drew Brees would have lost the Saints game against who was it, the Eagles, that yeah. he would have to question whether or not Drew Brees was a Hall of Famer. My head almost exploded. <laughs> and they wanted to argue with me about it. I'm just losing my mind. One game. But just that, one, that game. one game. That one game yeah. decides whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> no, no body but, of work. Apparently. So Arnie's the yeah. type of guy that reads the first paragraph of the first chapter and then fast forwards, reads the last chapter to figure out the ending. Is that is that he, pretty much what Arnie is? He is the dude when it's 3-0 in the first quarter of an NFL game, it's over. That's, that's yes, you, you absolutely. <laughs> so he's coming up next, by the way, with Aaron Torres. So I bring that up because I'm not, I'm not going to let my blood pressure get, get, get up here. So, Daryl, you're not going to make me mad, but I'll read this. Because uh, I mentioned how Saints fans were upset. He writes, Saints fans in their tears? These people are PO'd, as they should be. Mention the rules tuck rule to a Raider fan and stand back while they get on their soapboxes. How long ago did that happen? And, 17 years. And we're giving these people a week and telling them to shut up? Okay, I, let, let me just real quick. I have been told for 17 years that, oh, you guys still had a chance in overtime, so I don't know what you're crying about. There was still plenty of game left. I'm just relaying, Brady, what I've learned from years of complaining about a call from everybody else, and I'm willing to bet a few Saints fans as well, too, what they told me to do whenever it comes to handling your team getting a bad call. Yeah, they're going to be mad. I don't blame them. But, I mean, there is a point where you kind of have to move on a little bit. Sean Payton even said it. It's going to be a tough one to move on uh, from for him. And as as being a former player, what they tell you is you can never allow a call to dictate a game. And, you know... (laughs) The tough thing about this particular call, because at the point in time of the game when it occurred, and based on how it would have impacted the outcome, you know, it, it, it's hard to not think this one hurts more than others. But that being said, again, they were at home with the yeah. ball first in overtime. 
I mean, they easily could have just taken care of business, drove it down the field, scored a touchdown, game over. And they didn't. Like, bottom line, they didn't. They allowed Greg Zorloin to, you know, make a kick to tie it up. They allowed him to make a kick to win it. I mean, there was opportunities there. Plenty of opportunities for the Saints to be able to win at home, even after that call. And they didn't. Yep. So, um, as, as much as people want to complain about it, and I think they, they have a right to in the sense that, you know, again, the product, we're, we're getting closer to getting most of these calls right. I, I don't think we're getting further away. I think we're getting closer to it. We're just figuring out how not to allow something like this to ever happen again. And, and it depends on which side of the aisle you're on, right? Because it doesn't matter whether you're a Saints fan or a Rams fan. There's always going to be a call that goes against you at some point. I, I just find it more interesting. More people are outraged that there wasn't a call for pass interference over the fact that you had a guy get cold clocked. Yeah. And, and, that, and then that, that's like an afterthought of this whole thing. And I keep going back to it because regardless of whether it was tipped or not, regardless of whether they saw it was pass interference or not, the one thing that's changed rules in the league and in the NFL is player safety. Like I said it before, it's in overtime. They literally made – they shortened overtime five minutes because they didn't want players to have to play more plays during the course of the regular season. That was their justification for it. They've changed how defenders can land on a quarterback because they're so concerned about losing their face of their franchise, the face of the league, their, their you know, primetime players in that quarterback position. They're so concerned about it. So they've made that change, they implemented it, and they allowed it to be called more frequently or more often throughout the course of the year. And so the, the, the crazy thing to me is that everyone's in uproar about it not being a pass interference call, not the fact that it was a hit on the defenseless player. That, that's, that's what is, you know, I, I think most people side on the fact that it should have been P.I. and it wasn't, not so much the fact they're looking out for Tommy Lee Lewis. You know what's funny? That gets to kind of what has become, I guess I could say, something that's glaringly obvious to me, Brady. I don't think fans truly give a you-know-what about player safety. I really don't. I think that former players like yourself are doing a great job of sending the message out. I think uh, some of the media that's covered the league for a long time and have seen the effects are doing a good job of getting the word out and spreading it. I mean, we're going, what would you say about uh, uh, maybe a five-year push where the NFL is taking it serious, but from a former player's perspective, we're going on about a, a decade, maybe 15 years now, where this has really been a, hey, you need to pay attention to this. I don't know if fans have truly reached that point yet, and I think that's why you're seeing this. That's just me. And, I, again, I get it. There's probably not the understanding of the intricacies and the challenge of it. They've probably seen the Will Smith movie and they're like, okay, that's great. But for the most part, I, I don't think fans care about it as much as they want to act like they do. No, no, they don't until it either impacts the outcome of a game. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but I think most of them look at it and they say, well, these are professional athletes. They're going to be paid tons of money in, you know, in order to, um, and to compensate for the fact that, yeah, they're going to get beaten up a little bit. It's, it's just – it's a little bit <laughs> shocking that people would think that because if they were in the players' shoes, they'd probably feel different. And last time I checked – of course. Tommy Lee Lewis, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much longer he's going to play for. You know, the average lifespan of an NFL player is three years, and, and they're probably, because they don't have guaranteed contracts, the poorest of any professional athlete. This isn't like me sitting on a soapbox crying for them. No, it's just no. the fact that you still are looking at the long-term effects on players and how it impacts their lives later on. 
and they don't have the medical assistance or the help that they need because the NFLPA you know, unions the, the weakest in all professional sports. They're not strong enough to try to fight for something like that. And so you know, I, I, just, I take a little bit of a different perspective on it aside from the fact that it was poor fishing. I, I think the, the thing that kind of sits on the outside looking in right now is the gambling aspect and how it's going to impact the line, how that's going to change moving forward. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on these officials moving forward. I think that's why you saw the rumor, too, last week about – you know, the NFL started to maybe try to court Dean Blandino to come back to the position that Al Riveron's currently holding, and maybe that this could be Al Riveron's, what, first year? It'd be a, it'd be a one and done for him, uh, and they would be potentially moving on from him. And, and maybe that, too, would be the smartest thing they could do because Dean Blandino now has had a year out of it. He sees maybe some of the innovations. Maybe, I don't know, Brady, maybe there is not this true understanding, even though the NFL has the NFL Network, of some of the technology that's out there for some of these officials. I'm sure there is. Maybe I'm sound like a dope. But, I mean, here you have a guy that in Dean Blandino that has been on the TV side for years, so maybe he sees it a little bit differently, and that could help the NFL quite a bit. Oh, you're going to get so tired of talking about officiating this week, Brady. I'm just letting you know right now, and I think you're well aware of it. You're probably tired of talking about it for the last hour and a half. So when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, let's dive into the game. But before we do that, Steve DeSager is in the house to get us caught up on everything going on in the world of sports. Steve? Plenty of finals rolling in from the NBA tonight. We did have Oklahoma City beating Milwaukee 118-112. Russell Westbrook with a triple-double for the third straight game. Paul George, 36 points. That ends the Bucks' six-game winning streak. Milwaukee was a game over the Raptors for first place in the East coming in. The Raptors have taken the lead in the fourth quarter, about 30 30 seconds left at Dallas. Toronto up 118 to 112. Kawhi Leonard with 30 points. Clippers and Cleveland each one. San Antonio and Houston with victories. Houston came back and beat Orlando 103-98. James Harden 40 points. His 23rd straight game with at least 30. Guard Chris Paul returned and had 12 points, six assists in 25 minutes of work. Paul had missed over a month with a strained hamstring. Utah wins at Minnesota 125-111 despite 35 points from Andrew Wiggins. In college hoops, Purdue beat sixth-ranked Michigan State 73-63. The Spartans had won 13 straight games. Victories for Houston, Villanova, and Minnesota, which beat number 19 Iowa. The NHL resumes tomorrow. Novak Djokovic won the Australian Open, sweeping Rafael Nadal. Former San Francisco Giants owner Peter McGowan passed away at the age of 76. The Redskins believe quarterback Alex Smith will miss all of next season due to his leg injury, according to NFL Network. Smith has four years left on his deal. The AFC won the Pro Bowl in rainy Orlando 26-7. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes was the offensive MVP. The offense of the NFC, 11 drives, 10 first downs today. Super Bowl 53 is next Sunday. Both the Patriots and Rams have arrived in Atlanta. The guys will be back in 10 seconds, but first a word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Justin Rose won the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines by two strokes. And the Lakers about to start the late game hosting Phoenix. LeBron James out again. 16th straight game missed due to that Christmas strain groin injury. And Kyle Kuzma of L.A. out with strained hip. Guys, back to you. Thanks a lot, Steve. That'll be interesting to keep an eye, by the way, on the Lakers this week because of now the report. I guess you can't even really say the report. Over the weekend, the Jackie McMullen podcast where they talked about the tension in the front office of the Los Angeles Lakers and how LeBron's people 
want Luke Walton out. I don't know how you feel, Brady. I know we're NBA fans. I don't want to see Luke Walton get fired. I think he's done a pretty good job considering I, the talent they have. I think he's done a good job too, but you know, if, if you're the Lakers, and really if you're Luke Walton, you tell me that the second LeBron James decided to go to L.A., the Lakers organization opened themselves up to this. I mean, now yep. a guy like LeBron being the shot caller. And the head, I mean, we saw it in Cleveland. I mean, we saw how it worked out there with David Blatt and moved on from a coach that, you know, if you talk to people in league circles, they think David Blatt was a good coach. And oh, it wasn't that, just David Blatt. It was right. Paul Silas. It was Mike Brown. It was Tyron <laughs> Lue as well. Yeah, right, and then and then you know, then Tyron Lue. So it, it's just it's interesting that that's unfortunately kind of the trail that's left behind with him. And yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's what comes along with the greatness of LeBron. You know, as much as he brings so much to that organization, even as as historic as it is, there's also this this other side of things where. He wants certain things done his way, and he's writing the final chapter, I assume, on his career. And so he's going to want to go down swinging with whoever the head coach is he feels like he wants to finish off his career with. And um, it's hard to deny him of that when you've already signed up for this. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So Brady is Atlanta-bound in the morning to cover the Super Bowl. And I kind of agree with uh, the tweet from Steve. who writes, apparently for some, the sky is still falling. I moved on to the Super Bowl a week ago, guys. I fully intend to enjoy myself. I agree, Steve. Let's move on to the Super Bowl. I agree with Steve. Let's move on to the Super Bowl, uh, Brady, here real quick to wrap up this segment. What storylines are you most looking forward to in-game? As you broke down the film, I feel like that we've kind of been over-inundated with uh, the offensive talk for the Rams and Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and Gronk. But what are some of the key storylines you're going to be keeping an eye on in-game come Sunday? I think it's going to be the way the Patriots go about handling that defensive front for the Rams. Um, and I know statistically speaking, if you look at the Rams this season, they're not that impressive, Chris. I mean, they're really not. I mean, even as good as Aaron Donald's been, he'll be the defensive player of the year. And um, as good as the addition has been of Aqib Tlaib, especially when he came back once he's healthy, Dante Fowler once they got him from the trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars as an edge rusher, um, statistically it didn't look great in the regular season. This defense is playing different, though, now in the postseason. I mean, Dominic and Sue feels like there's a fire lit behind him. I've never seen him play like this consistently over the course of a game. He's got that size and ability to dominate on any given play, and he's starting to do it more and more and more. And it's kind of just building up because I think this is his best shot of trying to get a Super Bowl ring, and that's the whole reason why he signed with the L.A. Rams in the first place. So to me, it begins and ends in the trenches. And because if we've seen the New England Patriots lose before, it's always come back to an NFC East opponent with the Giants, with the NASCAR package back when Steve Spagnuolo was there in you know, 2007, putting the defensive ends in there at the defensive tackle positions. He had four defensive ends in there, and they had a hard time protecting against that group. And it ended up being a New York Giants win with the help of some miraculous catches as well. But that seemed to be the case for the two Giants Super Bowls. You go back to last year with Philly. Now, Tom Brady and the Patriots offense had an unbelievable performance statistically. But when it came down to crunch time and they were in a one-dimensional mode of having to throw the football, it was a strip sacks fumble by, I believe, Brandon Graham 
that mm-hmm. end up ending the game. So it's going to come down to how they protect Tom Brady. If the Patriots can continually keep him clean, keep him from getting pressured, hurried, hit, knocked down, and sacked, I think they're going to win, not with relative ease, because we've never really seen the Patriots win a Super Bowl with you know, anything <laughs> coming easy. I mean, even in the losses, everything's close. It's always a close matchup with this team. So I feel like we know this game's going to be close. Uh, but I think you have to give the edge to New England if they can protect Tom Brady the way they have this postseason, really the way they have all season long. There were, it was funny because one of the interesting angles that had been talked about quite a bit was Super Bowl fatigue, which I would love for my team to have to suffer from Super Bowl fatigue because they're in it so much. Oh, my gosh. I just, I'm so tired of having to watch the Super Bowl with my team in it. But uh, they had 35,000 show up today at their send-off. I mean – there's still everyone wants to question Tom Brady getting older if that drive is still there. This fan base still seems pretty juiced as well, Brady, and they should be. Well, let's see if they show up in Atlanta, though, right? I mean, that, 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 that's what matters most. It's one thing if you, if, you live, if you live there near Foxborough to kind of make, it, make it your way up, go into the stadium and go see everyone. It's another thing when you, you pay for the plane ticket down to Atlanta, you, you deal with the price of that, you deal with the price of where you're staying and everything else. So we'll see if there's any sort of fatigue once you get in the stadium. The hard thing is, is it's so tough to tell, uh, especially at least, I mean, again, I've, I've never been to one. This will be my first one actually staying in the stadium for a game. It's tough. to. It, it's more of a corporate environment anyway, so you don't really get that home field advantage. Uh, but you would have to think that, in this case, the L.A. Rams, I mean, do they travel at all? I mean, this is, right. a, this is a Rams fan base that when they played against the Dallas Cowboys, it felt closer to a Dallas Cowboys home game than it did an L.A. Rams home game in the playoffs. So if that's the case, you know maybe it's fatigue for the New England Patriots, but I don't know how many people are traveling from L.A. to Atlanta to see this team play. The Patriots, by the way, are now the betting favorites, which is kind of crazy, but it fits. And I only mean that because they were underdogs to start the betting process, which fits into the way as we get back on the field. That people see this game. Betters have overwhelmingly taken the Patriots. In fact, according to the Mirage in Las Vegas, Brady, 96% of the money wagered on the Super Bowl so far has been on New England in the first four days of betting. That included two high-stake bettors that put $100,000 or more on the Patriots. It ended up swinging the line from the Rams as a point-and-a-half favorite to New England as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, even three in some places. Not surprising at all, is it? No, I was going to say, you know, if this game got to three, uh, I, I don't like it, right? Like, I kind of hate really? that number sitting there. Yeah, I just – I feel like it's, it's too much. Maybe you say it, all right, that at that point you take the Rams. You know, at, the, at, the, at two and a half, the Patriots given that, like, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's probably about, you know, the, the point for me where it, it stops uh, for the Patriots. Uh, but if it, if it got any higher than that, I don't think it will. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this line didn't tighten up a little bit as we get closer to the game, but – you know, maybe there's some apprehension about how Jared Goff will play at the beginning of this game. It's not like they got off to a great start, uh, really, if, if not for the inability for the Saints to, to capitalize in the red zone. Again, credit the, the Rams' defense in the NFC Championship game. You know That game could have gotten out of hand. It would have felt a lot differently if the Saints walked away with touchdowns and field goals. So maybe there's a little bit of cause for concern to see if Jared Goff shows up early in this, you know, on this stage of the big game, and, and maybe more so than him, Todd Gurley who had, what, five touches in the last game, was completely ineffective. It's hard to put your finger you know, on what that was because they, they came out of it saying, yeah, it's not injury-related. Then what is it? 
Like you're you're telling me you fed this guy the entire year. He gets banged up. You bring in C.J. Anderson. You're, you're essentially, he takes over at the running back spot until Gurley can return, and you're feeding him the football. And then you get to New Orleans, one of the toughest places to play, and you forget about a guy who's a legitimate MVP candidate. That that doesn't that doesn't fly with me. It doesn't make any sense. Sean McVay's too good of a coach. That to me is an excuse. I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, my conspiracy theory is this: Ooh, if you're like the this. Rams, if you're the Rams, Chris, and you're preparing for that game. I would want to give the Saints uh, no information about Gurley. And I would want them to think that he's 100%, he's healthy, he's going to be a big part of it, so they prepare for him. Because Gurley and Anderson are so different as far as running backs. And even when they're in there, you know, C.J. Anderson is primarily a between-the-tackles runner. You look at Gurley, more off-tackle, more outside running game, more involved in the screen and passing game. So it lends more tendencies to what the Rams are going to do depending on who's in there. And so if you don't tip your hand one way or another – and, and, you know, again, it would be – you can't do it because it's technically illegal. But if you can kind of throw it out as, yeah, you know, we just didn't get as involved in the game plan. Maybe he's not 100% healthy, but it's a little more gamesmanship. Um, that was, that's the only thing that makes sense based on how the NFC Championship game went down with Todd Gurley. Because otherwise, I mean, you're basically saying that um, Sean McVay was inept or he was negligent to want to put the ball in one of his best players' hands. That just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I agree 100%, and it's funny because they're trying to play up the storyline that, well, you know, if he was injured, or if he was injured, you know, he wouldn't be playing. Uh, and Sean McVay saying, well, you know, I just, I've got to do a better job as the coach. You're not, Sean McVay, you're right. It's one of the sharpest dudes. He doesn't magically forget he's got number 30 over there. I mean, it's, oh. I, Todd Gurley, get in the game. Forgot you were here. It's the dumbest thing I've seen leading up to a big game like this and in reaction to that. Now, both teams had their send-offs. We'll tell you about them next. But, hey, uh, another quarterback's been in the news this week for all the wrong reasons. We'll get Brady's take on how Derek Carr handled his business this week, and that's next on Fox Sports Radio. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Kudos to Bobo on the wheels of steel tonight. Eric Roberts, our producer. As we roll on, he's Jonas and <laughs> Jonas Knox is out. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank sitting in. We're brought to you by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Uh, I was was talking last night about when is the right time to fire back, Brady. When you're in the public eye, when you're an athlete, is there a right time to go ahead and say, all right, enough, I'm going to fire back, or do you just have to take it? Uh, we saw example, I guess you could say 10 bazillion, of firing back with Derek Carr this week, who had had enough of the questioning of his desire and fire. What did you think of that? And again, uh, full disclosure here, I'm a complete and total Derek Carr homer, so I am uh, I'm recusing myself from this conversation. If you want to crush him, that's fine. I can handle it. I'm a big boy. But what do you think of the way he handled that mess? Yeah, so, so I'm not going to crush him at all. I, I just okay. think there's there's a phrase now that people use, um, and it's mostly through through dating now, ghosting, right? Ghosting, like yes. we're, Yeah, we're, we're, we're like a dude check, texts a chick, and you know she doesn't get back to him, right? She just kind of ghosts him, right? Just disappears. Yep. And I just I feel like the reason why that's so disrespectful or so 
powerful to the person who just never gets back to them, never responds to the text, is because they ignore them. It's like they don't exist. And so that's why, like, sometimes that I feel like I'm going to be quoting a Justin Timberlake song. But, but sometimes the greatest way of saying something is to say nothing at all. Exactly. And, and, it's, it's, and in, in his case, it's probably proving it on the field. Now, there comes a time and a place where I think emotionally sometimes you get frustrated. Maybe you feel like you want to say something. You want to use the platform you have to say something. And I think the tough thing for Derek Carr is he took a decent amount of flack this year. And, you know, I'm sure some of it bothers him because we've started to see with social media and with the way the news cycle is now where, you know, there's so many different platforms. Everyone's going to come up with new content each day. And to be honest with you, some of these pundits, man, they're lazy. And, and so they get personal because they don't know these guys. Like, they never actually have to go up to Derek Carr and talk to him and see what type of player he is, see what type of leader he is or man he is, and, and see the type of work that he puts in and all that. And so they feel like they can say whatever they want because they don't have to, have to face the repercussions. So I, I believe it was Max Kellerman he was calling yep. out. I love it, man. I, I hope they actually get into a ring, and I hope he whoops his butt. Because then maybe next time around, Max Kellum will think before he speaks and think like, you know what, maybe I should be a little bit more cautious with the way I'm phrased this and wording this instead of feeling like he can spout off and say whatever he wants. Now, people can say, well, that's his job. Well, yeah, you're right. But it doesn't mean you have to do it in a disrespectful manner. I mean, and so that's what really bothers me about it. And it could be any player. Like, I think a lot of times people get checked when they're talking you know, behind a fence, behind a barrier at a player, and all of a sudden he turns around and he starts to walk up to them, and then it changes the demeanor a little bit. Or they see him Absolutely. outside the stadium in the parking lot. It changes that demeanor a little bit. And that's why I always tell people, man, like you don't want to try to face a professional athlete and try to get into it with them. Like, you will not win that battle. You will not win that fight. I don't care who you are. Uh, unless you're a... Uh, an MMA fighter or another professional athlete, you'd have a good chance. But beyond that, you're not going to, as Johnny Keyboard Warrior, go out there and take down somebody. And you're I mean, how many times have we seen it? It's always funny in the NBA because you're right within earshot usually of guys, and they'll dog cuss him and they'll yell at him. And as soon as they get the look from a player, oh, suddenly they back down a little bit. And they're not saying anything from that point forward. I guess it's funny because you have all the different layers of this. There's some that say, oh, you got to be above it. You just you have to drown out the noise. But, Brady, you hit it on the head, and I know we only got a minute to wrap it up here, but this has been a frustrating year for the Raiders and specifically for, for Carr. He probably just reached a point where he's like, enough. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to move on from it, and that's what he's done now. They I, tried to fire back, and he's ghosted him. I tried to watch the clip, and I was oh. like, I didn't think it was like the worst thing people said about him this year. Like, I was <laughs> like, it was, it was an odd moment for that to be the moment that pushed you over the top. But none, nonetheless, maybe it was just the individual. Maybe it's something Max Kellerman said before. I, I don't. Yeah. Again, I, I don't watch ESPN content, so I, I, no. I left that a long time ago. Uh, when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. What does the quarterback crop look like for the NFL draft? The Senior Bowl was this weekend. We'll get Brady's take, plus continue the countdown to the Rams and the Patriots for the Super Bowl next on Fox Sports Radio. Did you say that uh, Jonas is in Cancun this weekend? Is he getting some pre-Super Bowl fun on? Yeah, he's in Cancun right now. He's probably – he's got someone with a sombrero just dumping (laughs) gallons of tequila (laughs) down his throat right now, most likely. Most likely. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, see, with that's what schedule. you think. That's what right. you think with the schedule. Like you guys, you feel bad for him. 
I'm just like, no. He he needs to work more. For him for him at this point in the year to be able to take a vacation like that before the football season's over, to me I'm like, come on, man. You're a week too soon. Like I just right. I, I view this as negligent. I feel like it just it goes to show everyone at Fox Sports Radio, including uh, our hardworking crew back in the studio, Bobo. Eric Roberts, like the entire crew, it just goes to show you the, yep. the disrespect to Sager too. To Sager showing up all the time, but no Jonas. I mean, this it, just, it doesn't shock me at all. You know, and I understand taking this vacation, say post Super Bowl, or even I'm such a draft dork. Post NFL draft, plenty yeah. to yeah. plenty of time to not have anything to talk about. But this is uh, there's a cornucopia of things to talk about, and we haven't even touched. They are scratching the surface of it yet. So uh, it, I would imagine that uh, I'm sure that he's doing what you and I would do because let's see, you have two girls, both under two and under, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. R- r- really not two and under, but under three. Okay. Okay. You have, you have two under three. I have three kids, 15, 10, and three years old. So if we're on vacation, we're probably sleeping most of the time because <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that that's not happening with Jonas Knox right now. But uh, he'll no, be back. No. He'll be back next week as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, I can't believe we're already in our final hour. We have so much still to get to. We talked about the latest, I guess you could say, quote-unquote controversy about where these officials live. We dove into whether or not the ball was tipped, and I think I think Brady hit it on the head. If you're looking at that playing saying, I can't believe pass interference was called, I think you're really missing the point. <laughs> the dude got destroyed. I mean, it was as blatant of a personal foul as you could have, but because at the core we don't care about player safety, Brady's no, one, no one's bringing that up. Oh, pass interference. No. Dude got clocked, and he even got fined for it. But yet, no one's really talking about it. No, no one's going to talk about it. And, and for all the people out there, Rams fans, who are like, you know, as a bang-bang player, or the ball got tipped, whatever excuse they want to make, they, they clearly don't want to point that out. And then on the flip side, the, the Saints fans don't want to come to grasp with they still had a shot in overtime. Like, you still had an opportunity to stop the Rams. You still had an opportunity to, to be able to drive down in overtime at home and go win that football game, and you didn't. So no matter which side of the argument you were on, at the end of the day, you, I mean, there's really not much more to talk about. It's now time to spin it forward to the Super Bowl. Let, let's yep. get ready for a great game. Let's move on from this, even though there, there will be some things that still carry over in regards to us viewing the officiating of the Super Bowl. Well, Here's what's going to be interesting, I think, next week, and you hit on this. So Brady's leaving tomorrow to go cover the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and he's going to go – to the game as I as a member of the media, I almost said as a fan, but this will be the first time you've ever gone to the Super Bowl to watch. And I hear that from a lot of former players, that unless they played in it, they're not going to go. And the, the tickets they would get, they would either give them to friends or I don't know. I don't know if you can still sell them or not or, or, not, or if Mike Tice ruined that for everybody. But with, <laughs> with that I think, said, Hey, I think he ruined it for everyone. Wink, wink, okay. nod, nod. Yeah. <laughs> with that said, uh, I'll be real curious to see if Sean Payton makes the rounds. Arnie and I got into this last week late in the show, and I've been thinking about it a lot this week, to where you feel like you're wronged, you've got an apology from the NFL, there hasn't been anything public, but you also, you're probably at your core still crushed 
that you're not playing in this game. And I think for a coach like Sean Payton, it's moved beyond the bad call now. You look at the missed opportunities, getting the ball in overtime, uh, even allowing the Rams to drive down the field and have the chance to kick the game-tying field goal. I'm sure a lot of those are bothering him right now. Do you go make the rounds at the Super Bowl if you're Sean Payton or a Drew Brees? I mean, I don't know if they're selling or pitching anything, which will lead to a lot of people doing Radio Row and different interviews, but are you in this mix or are you staying out of it? I think it's an interesting question, but one that maybe should be directed towards Drew Brees. Because as as much as you you would think that maybe Sean Payton's going to show up and he might be there on like a media tour to talk about how they were wronged, you know, Drew Brees is the more likely candidate to be there for some different marketing opportunities and, and to be there to make some additional money off the field. And so he's the other person that is the, franchise, the face of the franchise right next to Sean Payton that would probably be tasked with that same tall order of how, how do you handle it moving forward? You know, do, can you move past it? Uh, how are you going to – I mean, you've, you've got to have a game plan going into it as far as addressing the, the play. And I'm sure the NFL has spoke with Sean Payton, and I'm sure you know, he's, he's got to tread lightly because if they haven't come out and made a statement about it, there's no way you can expect them – uh, to to not be on the same page with him and and then being a little bit guarded with how he goes about talking about everything and phrasing it. I mean, he doesn't want to be fined. Uh, that that's one thing for sure. Even though I, I think he would be justified a little bit, you know, in, in the way he'd handle. But I, I thought he handled it with class. I really I really do. And I think he kind of sent that message like we still had the power to be able to win that football game. We didn't. But Drew Brees is the one. It's a it's a little different, right? I mean the. You know, Dante Fowler lighting him up to impact oh. the, the pass that then yeah. helped lead the, the Rams to be in, in position to kick a field goal to win it. Like, that's something that he's going to have to kind of answer to and talk about and deal with. So I, I, th- I think as a, you know, as a player, whether or not Drew Brees shows up at the Super Bowl for different appearances, how he handles the media, I'm more curious to see how that you know pans out. And if you think about it, there – this was a hotly debated topic, I think, on Friday from a lot of people. Maybe part of this continued frustration, which, again, it's never going away. It's going to be a problem for Saints fan. Is this concern about that always talked about, though, never really truly quantified window that may be closing for them? They see how old Drew Brees is. They understand that, you know, you've got uh, Kamara will be looking at the potential for a new deal here in a couple years, and I haven't checked on Michael Thomas's contract, but there's a lot of things that could be in flux over the next few seasons. So maybe part of this frustration too, Brady, and one of the topics might be because they feel that window is potentially closing over the next couple of years with the eventual retirement of Drew Brees. Right, and and so two thoughts there. One, you know, he's got to figure out how much longer he wants to play, and the organization has to – Give him that respect because he's still playing at a high level, but his arm doesn't look like what it used to be, and you know it's no. been surgically repaired. So it, it's fair to sit there and say we've got to start looking at what's behind him. Maybe that's you know some of the smoke and mirrors about this offense. You know all the weapons they have. You mentioned Michael Thomas. You yeah, they're going to have to figure out a way of extending because you he's know after agent. next year, yeah, he, yep. he becomes a free agent. So they, they got to start looking now and not wait till after twenty nineteen. And then be worried about the potential franchise tag and how that can impact him. Uh, but there's Alvin Kamara. They've got to figure out Mark Ingram this year. You know, he's a free agent. So what's that going to mean? But the smoke and mirrors I'm referring to, maybe there's a reason why Taysom Hill is playing so much, whether it's third down or in these various packages and all that. Not that he's going to be his replacement, 
But, yeah, it gives defenses different looks. It's like a new toy for Sean Payton, who's one of the most creative offensive minds. But it also takes some of that pressure off of Drew Brees' shoulder, both figuratively and literally. Because when he's coming in, it's it, it, there's times when they bring him in on third and four, third and five, third and six. And they're still running some of that quarterback run game. We've seen Taysom Hill throw, throw more and more. Uh, I just, you know, it's like Tom Brady's 41. Could they potentially do that with another player, go to a Wildcat more? Yeah, but they don't. I mean, if I'm Drew Brees, I don't, I don't know that you're better suited having Taysom Hill play quarterback, whether it's Wildcat and it's quarterback design run or throw the football. I don't think you have a better chance of converting on third down. I'd rather have the ball in Drew Brees' hands. So it's interesting that they went that route this year, and it seemed to become more prevalent as they got into some of the bigger games as the season wore on. You know what's interesting? Uh, I had been told, and I, oh, Brady, I'd be a guy that could wear you out talking draft. I'm trying to really pace myself here. But I was told last year that had the, had the stock of Baker Mayfield started to tumble just a bit, that Sean Payton was going to do whatever it took to try to move up and get him. Now, I don't think that they would have given up a, a Chicago Bear-type package to get Khalil Mack to move up. But at least they were thinking about it at times last year whenever Sean Payton fell in love with a guy like Baker Mayfield and what he could do in his offense. So with that said, I'll be real curious to see, and I know they don't have as many draft picks as they once did, and, well, you brought up the potential of of Mark Ingram this year. Let's think about Teddy Bridgewater as well, too, and do they decide to invest in him because he didn't look all that great when he got his opportunity in Week 17 this might be the year when they go out and try to find that next franchise quarterback because I'll tell you what, I I know you're going to see three or four guys that probably get a little overdrafted in this draft. I don't know how you feel. I think Dwayne Haskins is number one. I, I worry, too, about Kyler Murray, but I think he's kind of a maybe number two, number three guy in this draft. But it's going to be real interesting to see how the Saints, with their limited draft picks, value that quarterback position, knowing that the future is very much in flux there. Yeah, and it's not an easy decision to make because if you look at the the – Two guys you looked at. So Kyler Murray, and I said this about Deshaun Watson what, a, a few years ago now, whatever it was, uh, Baker Mayfield last year. I mean, you're not going to find better tape. When you put the game on, you're not going to find another quarterback that can take the game over with the way he runs, the way he can throw from the pocket, outside the pocket, all the things he does. And I, I know you, you follow, obviously, Oklahoma very closely, so you're well aware of this. Um, but when it comes to how that translates to the NFL – Dwayne Haskins is more of kind of what you're looking for, right? Prototypical size, really strong arm, but can layer the football, throw with arc and touch, has a good sense of anticipation and timing, and and runs a little bit of an NFL-style system when you look at what Ryan Day tasked him with at Ohio State. Just not quite as mobile as you'd like to see him, and in particular moving. He's kind of a a statue back there in the pocket. The guy that's, that's interesting is Daniel Jones, and he's the quarterback out of Duke. He's a guy that I honestly feel like could go top 10, uh, definitely top half of the draft. And that's, that's a target that I think a lot of teams, when I broke down a little bit of his film this year, I kind of came away saying like he seems the most NFL ready. Fundamentally, looking at what they asked him to do in the offense, um, he, can, he can sling it around. And he's a guy that you're going to start hearing about more and more and more. And he's kind of the first guy I thought like reminds me of someone who would fit in a, a, a Sean Payton system that would make a lot of sense, and maybe you know because of just how his you know you know his, his year worked out at Duke, 
maybe he falls to the back end of the first round or second round, whatever the case may be, and maybe they figure out a way of moving up to get him. But there's no doubt you've got to start thinking about life after Drew Brees. Uh, and, and you can do that too because you can still hang on to Drew Brees and bring a guy like that in because the salary cap keeps going up. I mean, that, that's the beauty of a league that continually generates, what, 10, 12 million more dollars every year with the way the rights deals are working and the way they're expanding different platforms to generate more revenue. Because of that, it frees you up to still be able to draft a guy high like that and have enough room in your salary cap to make other additions to help your team right now. You know, and uh, it's, it, you're right. We're going to pick and prod at all of these prospects over the next month and a half, two months, because that's what we do. But it's fascinating to see a guy like Daniel Jones have everything that you could possibly want in a quarterback. It's just because he didn't do it at – I almost said Tennessee. What I've been listening to Clay Travis promos too much. Uh, because he hasn't done it at places like Ohio State and because he didn't do it at uh, Alabama, we kind of question him. It's going to be real interesting to see how NFL scouts start to evaluate Daniel Jones, who had an opportunity in the Senior Bowl. And when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, Brady Quinn, I'm Chris Plank, let's get Brady's take on the great question after Saturday's Senior Bowl. Was it corny or was it awesome? We'll discuss next on Fox Sports Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> 
Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank. Fox Sports Sunday. We're brought to you by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Hey, one, one quick thing. You're, with the Super Bowl coming up this week, we lose our minds over covering football, and I dig it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun week Thursday I believe is Roger Goodell's State of the League address. I think that's going to be a fascinating hour to an hour and a half, however long it is. But, Brady, I can't help but wonder. You know, we go back, uh, what, 11 years? Well, quite that long ago, six, seven years ago, whenever we had the work stoppage, uh, the yeah. lockout that lasted throughout the summer. And there's a lot of talk about the potential of a work stoppage in 2021. Does that become a topic this week, or are we about a year away from fretting over that? I think we're probably a year away, if not more. You know, th- those discussions, I'm sure, as far as each side posturing as to what they're looking for out of that next deal, they've already started. Um, the, the, the thing is, for the players' union, you're going to have to strike. I mean, if you want to generate change, if you want to try to get back some of the power you gave up in the last collective bargaining agreement, you've you got to be willing to give some things up. And you've got to be willing to force or pressure the, this ownership group to, to actually miss some games. So where all of a sudden you put pressure on the broadcast partners to say, hey, man, we want our money back because right now we don't have a product that's on the field. And they can, they can sit there and say, well, look, the, the players are choosing to strike. And so we can find supplemental replacements and all that. I think you and I both know it won't be as good. You know, the scab players is just not quite as good of a product and that's not going to work. It's probably why we haven't really seen a minor league system ever really come about. Because you know, and maybe the American, the Alliance of American Football will change that this spring as that starts up, or maybe the XFL whenever that gets started up. But at this point, there's a reason why we haven't had it. You know, people they like what they have. They feel like it's the best product out there in regards to entertainment for sports. And I don't know that anyone wants to see it stop. The tough thing for players is, can you change the perception? out there where people on the outside feel bad for millionaires as opposed to billionaires. And that's the tough part because, dude, the last time the the owners locked us out as players and they got to the media, they had the messaging better directed, and you had people acting like it was players who didn't want to show up to work and didn't want to have an agreement. And you're like, no, 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 no. Do you know what a lockout is? It's when the owners say you can't come to work under these conditions. Like, we're not letting you. We want to renegotiate the deal. So – there's a lot of people who didn't understand that, and somehow the players still looked like the bad guys in that case. And believe me, they're the poor of the two, even though, again, relatively speaking, when you're talking about people with millions and millions or billions in the case of owners of dollars. By the way, you mentioned the XFL, and there's a story making the rounds today. I think it was started by our buddy Benjamin Albright, who covers the NFL, 
and uh, is pretty good at getting scoops, that Bob Stoops either may have an interest or the XFL may have an interest in bringing him on board. Now, I'll just give you what I know because I live in Norman. Whenever I'm on the air, I'm broadcasting basically from the bowels of Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. I have never, Brady Quinn, seen anyone happier in retirement than Bob Stoops is. I mean, this guy, uh, he grew a beard, which is, that, you know you're in a college town. <laughs> you know you're in a college town when a big story is that a former head coach grew a beard. That That's when you know you're in a small town. I've never but seen Bob Stoops with a beard. What does that even look like? It was. Uh, it, it took some getting used to, and as soon as you got used to it, it was gone. But uh, I know that he's playing a lot of golf. He really seems to be refreshed. His son is probably going to be – I don't think he's going to be sorry. I think they redshirted him this year. He's going to be redshirt freshman with a chance to play a lot at that inside receiver position for Lincoln Riley next year. So with all of that background, I also know that it's still a new normal for Bob Stoops to try to get – and I'm not trying to speak for for Bob by any stretch of the imagination. But I know that it's been a struggle to get used to this new normal because – Brady, you know it better than anyone. I mean, being a head coach of a college football team is not just nonstop, twenty four seven, three sixty five. Uh, it's beyond that. That's you're always you're always recruiting. You're always uh, out trying to make sure your guys are preparing like they're supposed to and staying out of trouble. But whenever I heard this, I didn't immediately shut it down because I thought, you know, he probably looks at this and says, "Still coach, don't have to recruit." It's obviously a startup league. I'll be able to put my own stamp on it, probably get some pretty good coin to do so, maybe more than the money he's making as an ambassador for Oklahoma, which he could probably still do. I got to admit, this was one of the first things that I saw and thought, now that wouldn't surprise me at all because it would be a no-pressure situation for him too. But he's really digging retirement, man. He is really digging retirement. So what do you think when you saw this? I uh, I wasn't sure what to think of it, only because it's Bob Stoops, man. Big game, Bob. I mean, I just if I feel like if we saw him coming back to take an opportunity, I really felt like the way he left things at Oklahoma, maybe it would be the NFL. You know, may, maybe that would be like the next step. You know, like the Agreed. Browns would come knocking. Right? He's an Ohio guy, so maybe that'd be an organization that he'd want to take on. And John Dorsey wants a football guy, and Bob Stoops is just that. You know, the whole family is so. Uh, I, I kind of, I kind of thought, like, man, I don't know what to think of this. And the only conclusion that I think anyone can draw to that's easy is money, <laughs> right? Right. Like, as much as it's about him being refreshed and everything else, they they've got to be offering him a ton of money. And it's it's the same question I had for Oliver Luck, who's the CEO of the XFL. He he didn't need that job or that position, but why would he be willing to take on this league? That's I don't really know if you want to call it a checkered pass, I guess unsuccessful pass, and it's because of money and and maybe they they feel like they can get it going off the ground, but you know for ten million bucks or whatever he's being paid, it's like yeah it's it's, it's worth it, it's worth it to at least give it a shot right and entertain the idea and and I'll say this I mentioned the Atlanta American football that's going to be another league that's looking to potentially be it's starting up this spring and literally the first game i think is the week after the super bowl right um they're trying to kind of become maybe a you know minor league for the nfl and i was talking with a coach a guy who's taking over play call for one of the teams and he said you know i was a part of the the ufl 
And he said it was drastically different. He's like, we got a full coaching staff. We've got resources. We've got facilities. He's like, this could really work. And, and maybe with enough time and planning, Bob Stoops feels the same way about the XFL. It would be something fun or different than what he's been accustomed to in the past. But to me, it just got, it has to come down to money. Here's what I don't get. And then you tell me if I'm wrong in saying this. Bob Stoops stepped away for personal reasons, right? I mean, I know his dad had passed at a certain age, and, and he wants to spend time with his family. That was my understanding of why he kind of chose to step down when he did, right? Seemed and, to be, yeah, absolutely. And, and I kind of look at it, and I you know, see Urban Meyer step down this year, and maybe there was more to that story, but he talked about it being potentially health concerns with everything going on with him. Uh, and we see it time and time again. And I just I feel like you see a number of coaches use – uh, the explanation of health, or they, they say they want to spend more time with their family. But one, two, three years later when they actually live that life, they're like, uh, I'm going to go back to coaching. And, and there's an opportunity presented to them that's like maybe too good to turn down. So it's it's just a little bit um, surprising because some of these coaches, you just figure when they want to say it's done, it's done, and they move on into retirement. And I'm just – I always wonder in the back of my mind, is Bob Stutes going to be one of those guys or is he going to jump to take an opportunity with a startup league or maybe even the NFL if they're still knocking? It's a great question. Uh, and I'm, here's what I've believed. And I don't know if maybe we should do this after the update or if we just go ahead and wrap this topic because I get, you're really talking Bob Stoops to the XFL? Well, yeah, that's the story that broke today. I firmly believe that there's only maybe two or three jobs that he would consider getting back into coaching for. And one of those got filled pretty quick this offseason, and that was Ohio State. I still think it would be interesting if things didn't go well for Dan Mullen and Florida came calling. And if Brian Kelly left for the NFL, Notre Dame would be interested. Or, excuse me, Notre Dame would be interested. Interesting, geez, uh, to see if whether or not that might be a place where he bounced back. And obviously, Brady, you would have a much better handle on that than I ever could. But the NFL is one that I'm kind of surprised his name didn't pop up more this offseason with some of the openings and some of the vacancies. And knowing the Jets talked to Matt Rule the way that they did, that kind of led me to believe that maybe that ship had sailed and that wasn't something he was considering anymore. So maybe Bob Stoops kind of says, hey, no stress situation, new league, as you brought up, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of money. Why not? Why not? I just, I guess I'm not dismissing it as quickly as I thought I would whenever I first saw it. I first saw it and thought, ah, no way. But the more I think about it, it doesn't surprise me. Don't you feel, Chris, like they need a big name like that to to sell it? I mean, like like my initial thought was, um, looking again, I hate to keep using the AAFL as an example, but it's a startup league. It starts this spring. People who are curious to see, like, all right, what's this going to look like? Uh, at least in regards to maybe the XFL, they'll get a little glimpse or idea, at least of the talent and, and in a separate group of coaching and how it's all going to factor in. And, you know, they've got some legitimate guys now, you know, former NFL executives and general managers who are part of this league, former NFL coaches, guys who have yep. been at various levels. And, you know, with that comes a lot of credibility. And so if you're Oliver Luck and you're the XFL, which outside of him as CEO, I haven't heard one name of any coach. And so you have, to, you have to think that when you roll out this red carpet, when you make that announcement for who the head coaches are, the cities and all that stuff, you better have some credibility that comes along with it. And then Bob Stoops' name would have that, at least in my mind, as far as a football mind, regardless of the fact that it was, you know, it was at the college level.
When we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, let me pay off my previous tease. Was it corny or was it awesome? We'll explain in just a bit. But first, Steve DeSager is in the house to get us caught up on everything going on in the world of sports, including the Lakers in action. Steve? And a reminder, the XFL doesn't start till 2020 for all the ah. coaches' names that are coming about. LA's going to have a team in the soccer stadium where the Chargers are playing temporarily. That's going to be an be awesome. XFL yeah. venue. Awesome. Uh, St. The, Louis is going to have a football team, team in the Dome. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, what, an eight-team league. The Alliance is eight teams. In fact, all eight, you're correct, are going to be in this inaugural season in action the first weekend after the Super Bowl. It's two games Saturday, two games Sunday, every weekend into April with this Alliance of American Football. And former Oklahoma quarterback Trevor Knight is the Arizona quarterback for Rick Neuheisel's team. And Atlanta has a team and former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray for Coach Brad Childress there. Birmingham, Alabama has an Alliance team, and Trent Richardson is running back for that team. Mike Singletary, Steve Spurrier, coaches in this league mike riley dennis erickson it all starts the weekend after the super bowl to the nfl news of today and nfl network reporting the redskins believe quarterback alex smith will miss all of next season due to his horrific leg injury smith has four years left on his deal the afc won the pro bowl in rainy orlando today 26 to 7 quarterback patrick mahomes was the offensive mvp on defense the award to safety jamal adams of the jets the nfc offense had 11 drives 10 first downs under 150 yards total today, sacked seven times, and three turnovers. Super Bowl 53 is next. I'm not sure they were even there. Super Bowl 53 (laughs) is next Sunday. Both the Patriots and Rams have arrived in Atlanta after send-off rallies at home. And, yes, quarterback Tom Brady said in a TV interview there is zero chance he will retire after next weekend's game. Novak Djokovic took the Australian Open, sweeping Rafael Nadal. Former San Francisco Giants owner Peter McGowan passed away at the age of 76. The Kansas City Royals are close to a four-year extension with second baseman Whit Merrifield. To the NBA late game, the Lakers, with two minutes left in the first half, lead 59-42 over Phoenix. This would be the eighth straight loss for the Suns. The Knicks lost their ninth in a row. Miami beat them 106-97. Wins for San Antonio, Utah, and Houston, which edged Orlando in a comeback 103-98. James Harden, 40 points. Clippers and Cleveland each one. Milwaukee lost while Toronto won, so the Raptors get into a first-place tie in the East with the Milwaukee Bucks. College hoops, Purdue beat number six, Michigan State. The guys are back in 10 seconds, but first a word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Justin Rose won the Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego. Tiger Woods moved up to a tie for 20th place, 11 shots back. Chris Plank, Brady Quinn, back to you. Brady, why... For instance, if you decided, because I'm looking at the rosters for the uh, AAF, and I'm looking at just the quarterbacks, why aren't you on this roster, man? I'm telling you, just take a couple (laughs) weeks, get stretched out, work the arm a bit. I mean, come on, you could do a better job than Mike Bercevici out of Arizona State or Philip Nelson or Alex Ross on the San Diego Fleet. Don't call it a comeback, Brady Quinn. Let's go. Yeah, I've, I've got no desire uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, I had a back injury at the end of my career. That's kind of limited ah, that's what I can right. do physically. But you know, outside of that, it's a young man's league. These are all guys who are looking for that opportunity. You know, Maybe they had a, a short glimpse of time, but they're looking for a chance to put some more tape 
out there to give teams a better chance of seeing what they look like in game scenarios. And maybe if there's a roster spot for them once it comes time for the summer for OTAs, minicamp, and then in a training camp. So that's really when you look at the league, how it's timed out, and you hear the names like Trevor Knight, like Aaron Murray, uh, and some of the others that we mentioned, that's more of the thought behind it. A couple things, though. Brad Childress, he's actually stepped down as the Atlanta head coach. So no longer there anymore. Uh, I believe it was Kevin Coyle, who's a former defensive coordinator in the league. He's taken over as the head coach. Um, but, you know, Mike Vick's there, Rich Bartell's there. Those guys are taking care of the offense now. Aaron Murray's the quarterback, but keep an eye on Matt Sims. That's Phil Sims' son. Bounced around the league for a while. He's a guy that may kind of come along all of a sudden. But, you know, th- so there should be some fun and kind of cool storylines to all this as we see which guys end up being it. But, you know, Trevor Knight's a guy who, you know, a former Oklahoma guy, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Maybe, there, maybe there's an opportunity for him uh, somewhere it's- down the road. It's fascinating when I look at these rosters and I see how many guys at one point were on my fantasy team, like Bishop Sankey, because everyone told me he was the next great thing at running back. How old is Bishop Sankey now? Oh, my gosh. I just He's on the San Diego Fleet roster. You know who else is? By the way, we're getting carried away here with the AA rosters. I am not apologizing as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO, the only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, let's see. Bishop Sankey. I'm going to guess he's got to be close to like 29, right? I was going to say he's got to be close to 30. That, and that's Whoa. one of those conversations. Where you say to a guy, hey, man, you should start thinking about life after football. Like, if, if it's not working out now and, and you're in this league, like, you give that a year, but you figure out the next step, you stop putting it off, and you make that transition sooner rather than later because it's another competition once you get out into that other workforce. And you better figure out what you're good at, what you, make it, you can make an income at. Uh, and, and that's some of the tough conversations that you have with kids at this league. You know, it's tough enough right. in the NFL getting those guys to understand that that dream's not there anymore. It's even harder when they're still trying to make it at this level. My mind is blown right now because I saw DeMontre Moore on the San Diego Fleet roster, and he had been a regular practice squad member for the Raiders, and I felt like he was about 35. That dude's only 26. So (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that dude's got to at least be in his mid-30s. No, 26. So it will be very – you know what? I can't wait to see if it becomes a topic for us to talk about. For instance, whenever you and, and Jonas come in on a Sunday night, are we talking about, oh, did you see that San Diego-Birmingham game? Or if it's just kind of white noise while we move on to, to the NBA and Major League Baseball. I think it's going to be real interesting to see how that's handled in the mainstream media. Hey, speaking of that, so I'm watching the Senior Bowl today, and or yesterday, and I noticed that when a player had made a good play for, I believe it was the North squad, as they were coming off the field, one John Gruden, seems to be a rather excitable one, was grabbing Raider logos and slapping them on the helmets of certain players when they made big plays. Now, at the point when he was doing it, I thought, that's got to be the corniest thing I've ever seen in my life. But as I started seeing the players kind of digging it, and when they'd go to the sidelines with the shots, they're showing their helmet with the Raider stickers, I kind of thought, Maybe it's borderline brilliant. So on a weekend, whenever we're focused, and I guess maybe more so, Brady, a week when we're focused on player development, catching guys' eyes, who's moving up draft boards, was that the corniest thing that you've seen from anybody or maybe borderline brilliant from John Gruden yesterday? 
Uh, closer to brilliant than corny. <laughs> uh, I think if, if you would have labeled anything this weekend corny, it would have been the Pro Bowl. Uh, oh, there you go. In, ding, in a very out of ways. <laughs> but, uh, you know, initially I kind of thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I remember being in high school and, you know, you, you make a great play, you have a good game, you get a bunch of these stick at hel- stickers on your helmet. And, and so you, you go into your next game, and as the season wore on, your helmet's filled with these stickers. And people immediately looked at you and you're like, that guy's a badass, you know? Um, and then I was thinking to myself, if it was me, like coming from Notre Dame, I'm like, don't put that garbage on my helmet, man. Like, don't, don't take away that gold luster after the season you guys had. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to come to your squad and your team right now with the way things are working out. You know, you guys got some things to figure out before I want that helmet sticker on my helmet. I, I might have even said that to John Gruden if I was playing in that game. Like, don't, don't come draft me. You figure some things out, move to Las Vegas, and then we can have another conversation at that point in time. Yeah, that might, you know, that might be what some of them saw, the dollar signs for the future in Vegas for this franchise. Well, we've got one more segment left, so we've wasted it not talking about the Super Bowl for a majority of the night. So when we come back to the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, we'll get Brady Quinn's take on some of the biggest keys to next Sunday's Super Bowl next here on Fox Sports Radio. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. He's Brady Quinn. I'm Chris Plank. Final segment here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. Geico has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to Geico.com after 75 years. They know how to save you money. Basically, all I've done during the commercial break, Brady, is look at these AAF rosters. It's crazy. <laughs> all, all blast from the past, the, right? Yeah, Guys who are it, hoping for that next shot. Exactly. I saw Leon Orr on here, and I can. It basically is if you go back to some of the shows that Arnie and I did during the preseason, it's a laundry list of people that we were impressed with during the exhibition season, is basically what the rosters are for the AAF. But it's going to be Arthur Brown. There's another guy, former Kansas State (laughs) linebacker. He's got to be like 90 years old. But it's going to be real fascinating to see how this is covered. Hey, speaking of the stinking genius, he is coming up next. Uh, That's where I normally hang, but I got a chance to start earlier tonight because of a uh, Jonas being on vacation. Jonas will be back next week, I think, post-Super Bowl, and then we'll be live, Arnie and I, during the game next week. So it's really fun to listen to Arnie during the Super Bowl because he's such a Patriots hater that he rides this roller coaster of emotion. And I'll never forget the Falcons game. I mean, Brady, I've never heard anyone happier in my life after the first half of that. I mean, Arnie was Arnie had champagne pop. What, he was why in does heaven. he hate the Patriots so much? Well, see, I have a theory. I have a theory. I think he's a closet Patriots fan, and he realizes that his picks are so bad that he has to root against them and and pick against them because it, it in the long term, helps them out. That's my conspiracy theory. But I also think it's because he lives up in that area. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Most Boston fans, Red Sox, Patriots, sell pretty humble people. You know, they just they take everything <laughs> – they take everything in stride, and you just saying, hey, congrats on your championship usually isn't enough. You have to praise them, and uh, Arnie's not that guy. So we'll have you covered next weekend during the Super Bowl. If you can't stand the TV broadcast, we've got you covered on the radio side. With that said, Brady, you're on your way to the Super Bowl tomorrow morning. Uh, a couple storylines you'll be keeping an eye on. I mean, obviously, we want to see Tom Brady versus Wade Phillips, don't we? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be part of it. And we, when, we've kind of seen that before. The difference is the difference in personnel when you go back to the AFC Championship game between the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. So not quite the same stage, but close. And, and obviously the Broncos got the better of that matchup. But again, when you've got edge rushers like Ware, like Von Miller, uh, and, and then lockdown corners on the outside, it, it makes it a little bit different. Now they do have Aqib Tlaib. And I'm sure he's playing at the same level he was before, and it's a little bit different scheme. They play more zone coverage now, and I don't know that Marcus Peters is up to the task uh, that Aqib Tlaib is or looking at the roster uh, the way the Broncos' secondary was. A uh, little bit different story there. So, you know, to me, that's going to be one matchup. I, I just think the, the overall picture of Sean McVay, 33 years old, and he's coaching in his first Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's 66. He's literally twice his age and this will be him and Tom Brady's ninth together. Like, this is the ultimate matchup of experience versus inexperience, how that plays a factor, whether or not it plays a factor. A lot of people think that usually weighs in and matters. But we've seen instances where you go back to that 2013 Seattle Seahawks team that went to New York and just pounded the Denver Broncos from that opening series of that game. Experience didn't matter. And so sometimes it works against guys. Now, again, this one a little bit different because – I think if New England gets down because of what they did versus the Atlanta Falcons, you always give them a puncher's chance of getting back into it. But it'll be fun to see how each of these teams uh, starts off, how kind of the factor of, you know, for example, Tom Brady being a more Super Bowls than the entire Rams roster combined, how that plays a factor on them, or if it does at all. And then the last thing I'll just say is, look, special teams. Never talked about it enough. This game's probably going to come down to a kick. Greg Zerloin made two in the NFC Championship game to help get to you know the LA Rams to the Super Bowl. And Goskowski's been clutched throughout the course of his career. And we've seen the Patriots win multiple Super Bowls with a guy named Vinatieri kicking for them. Um, so this game's most likely going to come down to a kick. Special teams are going to be huge. The rest of the matchup and all that, we can talk about it. It will be talked about a lot during the week. But those are just some of the things that I'm kind of thinking off uh, the top of my head. You know, it is, it is kind of funny that you say that because I still have yet to host a, a radio show until today where someone actually brings up before a big game, hey, keep an eye on the special teams, and we ignore it. Coaches don't. We see the investment no. in, yeah. in special teams coaches, and if you've ever been to a practice, it's so funny. Uh, colleges have really shut down practice access, and some people are mad about it. Uh, I Brady, guys like you and I, we, we get to go, and it's funny because it's basically all special team stuff most of the time. But nobody wants to talk about it because it's not the sexy conversation piece leading into a big game, is it? And think about it. If not for the fourth down decision to go for a fig, Johnny Hecker to Sam Shields, Maybe the Rams aren't playing in the Super Bowl, right? That really sparked the comeback in the NFC Championship game. Uh, so then again, looking at that decision-making, the way it's executed, the experience of Bill Belichick, you know, when does he decide to potentially go for it on fourth down? How does he decide to go for it? Via a special teams fake, or does he keep Tom Brady and the crew out there in the field? A little bit different when you've got a weapon like Johnny Hecker back there, a punter, a guy who was recruited as a high school quarterback to go play at the college level. So <laughs> uh, we'll see if that plays a factor in this game outside of just Zerloin and Goskowski in the kicking game. Man, I dig getting to hang out with you, Brady. I uh, hope it's to fun. do it again. But uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, man. Safe travels and have a blast down in Atlanta. You too, brother. Looking forward to it. Stick around. Arnie Spanier coming up next with Aaron Torres. Thanks to Bobo. Thanks to Eric Roberts. For Brady Quinn, I'm Chris Plank. Stick around. Our Super Bowl talk continues on Fox Sports Radio. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it and that's what makes orlando unbelievably real plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. this is tracy v wilson from stuff you missed in history class the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car like a legendary camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive you can count on your new camry to get anywhere you need to go Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.